Folks, hello and welcome back to another exciting episode of the We Didn't Peak podcast with me, Chance Nichols. I'm your host. Isn't that fun? Couldn't you infer that from the fucking uh, uh, the graphics? Huh? How's that sound? Why am I being contentious? I uh, hope you're doing a good. I hope you're doing a good day. Um, it's Monday. Episode's a little bit late tonight, but hey, what the what? What are you gonna do? What are you gonna do? I was busy celebrating all day. The Kansas City Football Chiefs are back, baby. They're back now. It's different now. The NFL needs to know. Oh no! But. But it's different now, Bubba. Patrick Mahomes, 400 yards, five touchdowns, through the fucking air. Like, come on. That defense looking shiny as fuck. Uh, 41-14 over none other than the shitbird Raiders. What a, what a tumultuous season this has been for the NFL. This is every, the thing that I love most about football is it is one of the few of the major sports in the United States where every single week matters. Mostly, you know, because like baseball, they play like over a hundred games or whatever. Same with basketball. Uh, like there's so like you could just have you could lose for a month and win the World Series in baseball. You know what I mean? Like it's it's kind of crazy. I doubt I doubt you could lose for a month and win the World Series, but you know what I mean. Football is just so the every NFL season is its own unique story with this cast of characters and the on the field action, the off the field action, and granted. This it's this is literally the same for every sport. Every sports season is a story, whether it's soccer, football, basketball, baseball, whatever. Um, but the NFL is just so unique because it's 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 quick. It's it's here then it's gone. It's there's only a few. There's a limited number of games. You want to be able to watch every single play that you, that your favorite team has. And I don't know, man. It's uh it's just beautiful. I love football so much. And this NF the story of this NFL season is so interesting because if you look at like week three or four and look around at the state of the NFL and how things were, it's like, wow, this is interest. This is new and different and weird and teams we thought were going to be great are bad and, and bad teams are good and everything's upside down, but the lions still suck. That's at least a constant Jacksonville's going to ruin Trevor Lawrence's entire life. That's, that's consistent. There's some consistency. Sucking is usually consistent. Because, you know, that's just how it is. But now you look around and it's like, huh. Well, well, well. Some of these folks are right in the ship a little bit. I don't know. It's, it's, it's just so dynamic and fun. And I love it. I love football. Fuck me. Fuck me if that's if something that you don't like. Um, my God, y'all. What a... What a time to be alive. Uh, just looking at some shit here. Uh, it's literally all... Sesame Street... I won't read the trending headlines yet. Um, oh, something I want to talk about. 
Something I want to talk about real quick here with y'all. Um, today's episode is going to be a great one. Uh, you think you guys are going to really enjoy the conversation that we have? Um, you know, it's, it's with uh, I'm <laughs> I'm uh, giving away the, the the guest so soon in the intro, but which is not typical of me. But you can literally read the guest's name in the episode description. It's of course Liz Zagoni, um, pal of mine from Chicago, comedian. Lives out here in L.A. now, uh, is you know, a hilarious stand-up comic and good pal, good dog owner, a very loving dog owner, which, you know, the way a person hand- handles their dog and treats their dog is says a lot about a person's character, and there are a few people, there are a few dogs on this earth more well taken care of than old Tuna, Liz's dog. Um, but, we, you know, we had a great conversation about comedy and all that good stuff, and I've had non-comedian guests on the show and comedian guests and everybody and all this stuff. And I'm in this place right now just personally in my career and in my my sort of journey in this whole business where I'm starting to see a few cracks of light uh, at the end of this tunnel. I mean, they're faint and I, I know I still have a long way to go and a lot of work to do. But I, I just as a personal update for y'all, I you know, I th- think things are... Things are certainly trending in the right direction, and it's all because I moved here to L.A. And, you know, Liz and I talk about the whole Chicago to L.A. thing and the differences and whatnot. It just really got me thinking about um, this whole business, this whole the, the path and the fa- of, of this business and this, and this career and how no two paths are the same and, and how crazy all this is. And I just, you know, there, there's just some people that I've, you know, met that, because, you know, when you think of stand-up, it's a solo art form, seemingly. It's one person standing on stage telling jokes that they wrote, usually. And, you know, it can seem very singular, but the the community that is the stand-up comedy world is something that, you know, I fall in love with in a new, exciting way, seemingly every night I go out and meet new people, meet new comics, you know, DM each other like, oh, you do my show, I'll do your show. Just just the, the camaraderie of it, sitting around at the bar, sitting in the green room, whatever. And it's just such a special world to be able to be involved in. And I'm just very grateful. And there's there's been some people that I just want to shout out that have... Uh, been really cool to me and have helped me out so far in this in this wacky little journey um you know lately obviously there's tons of people to shout out from you know the Springfield open micing days to the um you know Missouri State improv and Missouri State campus comedy stuff hosting gigs and whatnot to the uh, Chicago, everything running Chicago top four at Second City and the Shuba's open mic and uh, we still like you and like just all these weird little shows BYOT at the crowd Chicago Fight Club. There's there, you know there there it's been a long road but you know the LA portion of it is so scary because it's like the stakes out here seem real in a way that other places I've lived and performed and stuff they don't seem as real. So like out here, uh, just you know, shouting out some folks. Uh, we've got you know the Haha ha Comedy Club, uh, Jack Junior, Jack Asadorian Junior. Um, my first time doing comedy in L.A., I did the Haha ha Open Mic. I just came back from doing a weekend gig in Chicago, and you know it, it, this was right when things reopened from COVID, and I hadn't been out 
regularly at all since you know the pandemic and whatnot. So me getting back into it, I, I just I I was weirdly hesitant, which is funny because it's, ask anybody that I was around during the height of COVID and the lockdown and stuff, all I wanted to do was get back on stage. And I would just fantasize and dream about the moment I could get back on stage and work some shit out and, you know, perform, make people laugh and all this stuff. And I just wasn't motivated for whatever reason to get out and do it in LA, even after some stuff had reopened. But then uh, this was all happening at around the same time. I go and I do this weekend of shows in Chicago and I am just so fired up, and I'm back in it, and it's like I never left. And the, the day after I get back, I go to the haha open mic. I'm like, all right, let's hit some open mics. Let's meet some people. Let's do this. And I do the haha mic, and immediately after, I just go inside. And because you know, I've been I've been at this for a minute. I, I I have no interest in just doing the open mic every night for a year until somebody comes to me. I'm gonna go to them. And I just walk up to these two dudes who are at the bar. They look like they work there. And I say, hey, how do I get booked here? Who do I talk to? And one of them just goes, me, and it's Jack Jr. And the other dude was Ali Malik. These two guys are good pals of mine now. But at the time, I was a total stranger. And he gave me a spot on that next week, that Tuesday night show. And I went out and did well, brought some people, and just kept coming back. And... Now I, you know, I run the Monday night show at the Haha ha and Ali and Jack Jr. and Corey Hogger and Houston and uh, Brittany and Anthony and T- Terry, the other owners, like just the people there, uh, Phoebe, of course, uh, you know, one of the managers, like the people at the Haha ha mean a great deal to me and they're awesome. And I'm just glad that they, you know, brought me into their little world and gave me a home club, which uh, I had been missing in my life. So them, and then uh, there's, you know, God, it's tricky because whenever you start interacting with these celebrities and, you know, these known comics, these famous people, the opinions of the masses that they've exposed themselves to are all there, too. And then you meet these people in person. You meet the human being, not the article. And you you realize that, you know, some of the stuff that people say about them is wrong and it's a lie. A lot of the nasty stuff is not true because a lot of the people writing that nasty stuff never met these people and somebody I just want to give a huge shout out this is the last shout out I've got so many more uh but this is what uh, I'm gonna do this one and then we'll move on with the intro uh this has been fun right you got do you guys like this introspective shit I've you know I <laughs> this is what you guys come to this show for um last shout out here uh Brendan Schaub um, Brendan Schaub is somebody I've been watching for, I don't know, over 10 years of my life. He was a UFC heavyweight fighter before he became a comedian. He, uh, you know, football player, UFC fighter, athlete, big, scary looking dude, uh, crazy athletic, got into comedy through, you know, his relationships with Joe Rogan and, and a few others and Callan. I started the Fighter and the Kid podcast. And, you know, Shab is one of these guys that people like to talk a lot of shit on. And I've listened to the Fighter and the Kid for years. Um, 
It's one of my favorite shows. Listen to, you know, Below the Belt back when it was the Big Brown Breakdown and his other podcasts. I saw him. I paid to go see him in Chicago when he came through to um, the Italia Hall. And uh, I've been fortunate enough to, uh, you know, meet him and be around him a couple times now when he's come around to the Ha Ha. And, um, you know, he let me on his show. Um he was just really cool with me in the green room and talked, willing to talk. Well, he made me feel like I was a part of the team because he travels with this awesome crew of people that, you know, work on the podcast, work for, you know, the network that he's with and all this stuff. And it's just like, if I could describe what it's like to you guys to be able to feel like you're just sitting inside of an episode of a podcast you love, uh, that's what it felt like. And, He's just a good guy. He's he he cares about comedy. He cares about young comics, um, giving them some exposure, some stuff. He's been super cool with me. Um, the people that I've gotten to meet because of him and and the team and everybody, it's just been awesome. So uh, yeah, he don't believe everything you read in the, in in the news or the in the comment. It, really, it's the comment sections. People talking shit about him and how, oh, he shouldn't be in comedy, he cheated, he, he came from another thing, oh, he's just a jock, all this stuff, fuck all that. Shab was very good to me, and he's gonna be somebody that I, uh, yeah, that I'm gonna hold, hold, hold up a big sign saying, good for you, too. <laughs> That's, I'm very eloquent with the way I compliment people. Can you tell I do it often? Uh, so yeah, now that all that's done, um, I've got a few things here. Uh, we're just going to pound out a few of these questions, comments, and concerns. I'm only going to do a handful of them, and then we're going to get to this motherfucking episode. First one, that slugfest that was Holloway versus Rodriguez. Yeah, Max Holloway versus Yair Rodriguez. I saw it after the fact. I did not watch the um, the fight uh, live. I was busy that night. Um, with some stuff that maybe I'll tell you guys about at some point down the fu- in the future, but who knows. Um, uh, so I did not get to watch it live, but I was just seeing all of the, you know, all the, the updates coming into my phone, and so I watched it. Great fucking fight. Yair Rodriguez has come so, so far with, you know, figuring out a style that's actually effective versus, you know, flashy and... Um, but a good a good mix. I mean, he's still fun as hell to watch. But Max Holloway is just different. He's uh, he's he's literally blessed, which is his little nickname there uh, in the UFC. So great fight. Uh, super pumped to see what happens with both of these guys. Like where where they both go next. I think Holloway's got some uh, maybe some title action coming his way. Um, but who knows? We'll see. Uh, next question, when are we getting Caleb Heron on the show? Uh, I don't know who Caleb, Heron, Heron, whatever. I don't know who that is, um, but I I can see about it. I don't know. Um, next one. <laughs> I'm kidding. Uh, yeah, sure. We'll get Caleb's going to come on very soon. It, there, there's a there's a plan in, in all things. All things are planned. So. Don't you worry. The, the the Caleb episode will happen, and uh, yeah, it'll be a good time. Next one, uh, favorite cul-de-sac memory. This is from my mom. Hi, mom. 
I have told you once, I've told you twice, this podcast is not for moms, but you listen, and I do appreciate the support, so I'll answer your question. Favorite cul-de-sac memory? What she's referring to, folks, is we. I grew up in a cul-de-sac and uh, had a cast of neighborhood kids that all lived in the cul-de-sac with me that were my little crew growing up. I don't... I don't know if there's a singular favorite memory, if I'm being honest. So much of it was, I had so much fun with these people. We had the time of our lives just using our imaginations, going crazy. Um, some favorite things that we would do, because we never did something once. Whenever we found something that we liked, we would do it over and over and over again, sometimes for a whole summer. Uh some of my favorite highlights that I will say of uh, the of my time in as a cul-de-sac kid in the Hickory Nut Court cul-de-sac in Nixon, Missouri, were uh, ultimate hide and seek is what we called it. It was hide and seek at nighttime, and the base base was the center of the cul-de-sac on the manhole cover, and that is there. Uh, I would dress in all black and hide in plain sight. I would like lay down in yards and shadows and often games would end with me never having been found and never having touched base and everybody would just go inside because I refused to come out. Um, <laughs> that's a fun one. Our Halloweens were always the bomb. Uh, it, we, we had great, you know, Halloween traditions of going around the neighborhood and our routes and uh, the, the, the different houses, interacting with the different... That's another thing. The different neighborhood kids, we were sort of the envy of the neighborhood. I think I talked about this a little bit on Bree's episode, Brandon McCarthy's episode, because we grew up in the same neighborhood. But all the other sort of factions and pockets of kids our age in the neighborhood uh, envied our cul-de-sac because they knew we had the most fun. And so when we'd interact with them at the pool or at like... The woods, there was like this woods with a trail. Uh, they, they, there would sometimes be some confrontations that we, you know, we always won. Uh, so that was always super fun. Hide and seek. Our legendary basketball games under the light, under the big uh, like street light. Uh, I was just talking about that the other day because I played basketball yesterday. Um, yeah, man, we would just have fun, you know, playing. In, we had a drainage ditch, this giant drainage ditch that would wash all of the, from the storm, it was like the hub where all the storm drain uh, wash ended up. So if a ball or a toy or something got swept away by water into a storm drain or fell into a storm drain, it would end up basically in our backyard. So we did a lot of exploring back there. Just a beautiful, fun childhood for, for that aspect of it. And I had a great time. So yeah, not one favorite memory, multiple you know, categories of memory, I would say. Uh, also doing scams. We loved Ed, Ed, and Eddie, so we would do these things where we would call them scams, where we, you know, set up a lemonade stand or a magic show or something, charged money, got money, and then went and bought candy at Walmart. Always a good time. Uh, last one here. I just made a salad. Folks, big round of applause for former We Didn't Peak With Chance Nichols guest Maggie Smith. Maggie just made a salad. Big hey, hey, shout out Maggie. Big round of applause. That's awesome. Okay, let's get to the episode. Long intro. Sorry, guys. Uh well last week's was short, so whatever. Uh 
Okay. Oh, if you guys want to Venmo me, it's at Chance Nichols on Venmo. I could use some money. Um, today's guest, my God, uh, you're going to love her. But before I get to that, as always, please be sure to download the show, download this episode, uh, subscribe wherever you get your podcast so you can stay up to date with every episode that we co- that comes out every week. Uh, hit Just crush that subscribe button however you're doing it. Um, Give us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts. Do it right now. Please, I swear to God, I'm watching. Please just pull your phone out of your pocket if you're on Apple Podcasts and just press the five-star thing. It's free. It it takes no time at all. Just fucking do it, please. Uh, It helps us out greatly. And uh, like us on Facebook, just search We Didn't Peak with Chance Nichols. Follow us on Instagram at We Didn't Peak. And follow me on Instagram at Chance Is Loud. Okay, now, uh, as I said earlier, my guest today is the wickedly talented Liz Zagoni. Liz is a comedian here in LA by way of Chicago, and we get into all of it in this episode, and I'm so excited for y'all to hear it. So, now, without further ado, please enjoy my chat with the one, the only, Liz Zagoni. Enjoy. Yeah, they're on the other side of the complex. Uh huh. Like, so if you go out Burnside to Third, across Third is uh, Pan Pacific Park. Okay. If you go out the other way, it's the La Brea Tar Pits. Wow. Yeah. So you're this complex is like uh, where Squidward lived. Or uh, where, do you know, uh, did you watch much Spongebob? Not really. Okay. Well, there was an episode where Squidward goes to a retirement community. Not a retirement, like a living community <laughs> uh-huh. with other squids. And ah, it gotcha. looks like this. Okay. Um, you also live next to, with the La Brea Tar Pits. Are you familiar with the show La Brea on CBS right now? No. Avery was telling me about it. Yeah. I don't watch bad. much TV. <laughs> yeah, good. No, that's good. <laughs> it, um, it's like, I have not seen it. But the, I think the general premise is the tar pits like opened up one day uh-huh. and a huge hole formed in the center of West Hollywood. And it's a portal to like. Oh, a, there's like dinosaurs. Uh, yeah, it's like a hollow earth. And on the inside, there's like dinosaurs and saber tooth tigers. Gotcha. All that other stuff. Yeah, there's a devastating uh, statue replica. In oh, the yeah. Because tar- the, tar- the tar pits are actually um, like gated off like they have like fencing around them so mm-hmm. no one gets stuck in tar right but good. there's like a statue of like a mama woolly mammoth stuck in the tar what? and then like the dad and the baby are like on the grass next to it, and the little baby's like reaching his little trunk out and, and like grabbing for the it's <laughs> oh my devastating God. why would they do that why would they do that? i'm like wow what a way to make this incredibly sad for yeah. no reason that sucks huh i'll have to go buy it yeah um yeah, how are you liking it? I I wanted like I wanted to uh, have you on as soon as possible, just mm-hmm. to get so that one day years from now you can look back and hear your like fresh, just moved here like thoughts and feelings about things. Yeah, what's that been like? Oh boy, you've been here what like a week now? About a week. Yeah. yeah okay. Just, yeah, just about a week. I'm oh so many mixed feelings. Yeah. I'm like trying to be easy on myself and be like, you just got here. You know, but I'll and I'm I'm trying to stop and enjoy like the freedom I have because like I feel like it's very rare that in your adult life you have so much freedom that's like, okay, I moved to a new city. I financially 
God bless my sister. She's letting me live with her for two months rent-free. So I'm like, Big. I don't have to get a job immediately. I have just me and my dog. And then we can take our time and kind of get settled. And literally my day is like, oh, if I can take a yoga class today, that'd be great. And I'm like, okay, enjoy this time. But then I go on social media and I'm watching because – Right before I moved here, October in Chicago, I did like the most shows I've ever done. I did yeah, like you did a show on 30, every night. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like 30 shows in 30 days. That's so cool. And I, then I moved here and I'm like, oh my God, I have nothing set up. I have nothing to look forward to comedy wise. Yeah. And I'm freaking out and like slight <laughs> panic because I'm like, oh my God, what if I never get booked again? And that was my comedy career. Wow. And yeah. And I'm like watching all my friends tag each other and they'd be like, uh, so-and-so killing it. You know, as you do. Right. Yeah. And I'm just like, oh my God, I'm not killing it yet. Right. And so that's been a uh, very <laughs> stressful, but it's like, I, bet, I know, yeah. I know. And I did one open mic. Yeah. Avery told me about uh, that, your experience <laughs> with uh, Rocky Malboa. Was that the guy's name? Yeah. What the fuck? I, I am very jealous I missed that. Um, yeah, that's great. So what? Uh, how did you feel about that venue, like where the, where the mic was? It kind of reminded me of the Playground Theater in Chicago. Yeah. Very like. vibe from it. Yeah. Um. Honestly, the mic itself was fine, mm-hmm. but I it's so hard to tell jokes. I mean, I didn't even tell any new jokes. I literally was just like, okay, I haven't told any jokes in two weeks. I'm just going to tell, say anything. Yeah. And I was like, sk- like jokes I've told a hundred times. I was like, like stumbling through them. And I was mm-hmm. like, oh my God, why am I nervous all of a sudden <laughs> for these five comedians watching me? Yeah. Who don't even know me. It's different on the coast. I don't know what it is. It really but is. There's something about this place <laughs> that it all feels different. Uh, and I'm very, it's funny that you're getting this experience of you have moved into a Los Angeles that is open for business mm-hmm. and that there are mics and there are shows and showcases and clubs taking two drink minimums and stuff. Because when I moved here in July of 2020, mm-hmm. it was 100% shut down. Oh, prime shutdown. Yeah, like malls and like shopping, like stores weren't even open. It was just yeah. grocery stores and like drive throughs basically. And so that was, a lot of people were like, did you hate it? Because, you know, I'm similar to you, a person who loves to go out every night and do a show or hang after a show with people, like being in the scene, like in the thick of it. Mm -hmm. And I was like, I do wish, like if if I had my choice, Mm -hmm. I would have moved not during a global health crisis. (laughs) But it was nice because it was like, I don't, I can just like settle into living here. Yeah. Like I can settle into like my like life stuff outside of career stuff. Like yeah. I can find out, okay, this is like how you drive on the highway out here because there's mm-hmm. a technique to it. And like I'll just drive around and look through neighborhoods and explore. And it's like, oh, this is going to be a coffee place that I like. This will be a grocery store chain that I like to shop. You know, just yeah. like those weird little things that during normal times people like us don't really give ourselves the time to like breathe and do totally yeah so that was kind of nice but um yeah so you don't have a job right now huh i don't have a job nice <laughs> that's <laughs> i mean that, that it's kind of exciting like avery didn't have a job for a long time whenever he first got here yeah yeah well i'm and i i have a lot of skills 
Correct. I don't know what I want to do. Okay. So I'm kind of open. And at the same time, I'm, you know, while I'm adjusting as a human, my dog is also adjusting. And my little tuna girl uh, can't be left alone all day long right away. Right. And I don't like to leave her for very long anyways. So Mm. I worked in... Uh, when I was in Chicago, I worked in restaurants. I like babysat. I taught yoga for a bit. Like I have, I have a lot of things I can do that will I can easily get a job doing here. But then it's like I really don't want to go back to restaurant work. But it yeah. is like the easiest money. Yeah, and they're so. all hiring right now. Exactly. Every yeah. single one of them is hiring. <laughs> so you'll be fine. Uh, it's uh, yeah, it, and I mean it's such a. It's very different out here, the scene in general, compared to Chicago's comedy scene. I felt that with the one mic I went to. Yeah. Yeah, it was. Because the first mic I went to was at the HaHa, where I'm like, that's I'm there every night now. Yeah. Um, but I went, when they started doing, they have a patio there. It's a great patio. It's the best, like, setup I've seen for, like, a comedy patio mm-hmm. yet. Um, I went to their mic. It was in the middle of, the, like... The mic started at five, and this was in the summertime. And it, the sun doesn't go down out here till like eight in the summertime. It's a hot outside. Hot Oof. sun in my face. Like I had just gotten back from Chicago, where I did like a weekend of shows at the Lincoln Lodge, and uh-huh. so I was all fired up and like, "Fuck it, we're gonna hit the ground running. Yeah. Shit's open again. I'm gonna get out there. I'm gonna ride this wave." And I did the exact same shit. I did not try a single new joke. I did <laughs> all stuff I knew would work really well. Yeah. <laughs> and just because I was like, I need to feel good about myself. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like enough stuff right now is like in limbo and changing and in transition. Like I need to, I need that confidence that my jokes will be funny. Yep. This isn't a time to like try out new stuff and <laughs> break me as a person. Yeah, correct. I don't need that. I don't need to be, have my confidence fucked with right now. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's a, how long did you go from like shut down to your first show back um i think i went i'm trying to remember like when things okay so everything shut down like march 2020 march yeah it was march 13th 2020 was when the uh stay-at-home order went into effect yes so that weekend i was doing shows up in lake geneva and then i did a few zoom shows here and there some were, I mean, they were all stupid. Some yeah. of them paid, so it was fine. Yeah, that's good. Um, and then maybe like end of summer, I feel like when people started to do like the outdoor park shows mm-hmm. and stuff. Yeah. And like have mics again in like secret places. Yeah, yeah. That was kind of like when I started, but it'd be like you go to, you go do something comedy related like once every two weeks, depending on when it would happen. Right. Yeah. Or if it would get canceled last minute or yeah. if you even heard about it. Because my first show back was the first ever Chicago Fight Club. Okay. That MC hosted uh-huh. or uh, had. And it was outdoors. And we, it was like. The reason the whole thing, and you know this, the reason it's called Chicago Fight Club is because nobody, we didn't tell anyone about it because right. it was like June 30th or something, like yeah. 2020. So and it was literally the day before I moved to LA. Wow. So like I go out, we do this like little open mic outside 
and everyone's like, there's two mics that they're switching in and out and sanitizing. People are like, we, I we, don't, was it at their house? It was on that. It was so it was at their old place with the giant like patio. OK, yeah, yeah. Set up and like the huge garage doors. So like, right. I was, couldn't remember if, if they had the shows at their house. Yes. I just remember the mics there. Okay. Yeah, yes, it was because yes, yes. it, it was the first like mic show, whatever it was. Yeah. Um, that was actually the show that I was, I was just so deranged at that point in, in my like mental well-being. I just did a lot of like, I did like two jokes that I had been doing pre-pandemic, talked a little bit about like the experience so far, cursed Sharna Halpern's name. Uh, <laughs> and then I just started screaming up at because some of the neighbors had like started coming out onto their balconies oh, to yeah. like watch. And I was just screaming at the top of my lungs. I have a bomb. <laughs> I have a bomb down here. Come out and look at it. Trying to get people to come and be an audience. <laughs> and in hindsight, uh, that wasn't wasn't something I should have been doing. Yeah. But I had been cooped up inside for so long. Yeah. Sometimes, you know. Y- you, know? you just got to go for it. Y- yeah. yeah. Uh, you know what? That's not true. The first show I'd had back was like March 21st. Uh, I was in the woods in Wisconsin. <laughs> <laughs> and with my best friend, Nick, and I picked up a stick and I just started saying things out loud to myself like an insane person <laughs> so yeah so it was a one-man show really yes it went for... so well okay good good yeah i got really good feedback excellent yes it um yeah i so the weird thing was we never we like pre-pandemic stuff we didn't really cross many our paths much in chicago yeah um i think that has something to do with like i was in chicago kind of an in-betweener like I did a lot of sketch and improv and a lot of stand up, like yeah. both. And the Chicago stand up scene specifically has like three or four different little corners, uh-huh. and like a lot of it crosses over. I think, mm-hmm. but then there are some like. You could do stand up in that city for five years and not know who somebody that everyone knows who they are is. You know what I mean? Yes. Yeah. Like it's a small scene, but also there are such distinct pockets because some people refuse to travel outside of a certain radius for open mics and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, where did, did you start in Chicago? I started in Chicago. Yeah. Okay. Are you from there? Or is it? I grew up in the northwest suburbs. There it is. So Mount okay. Prospect right by O'Hare. Nice. Um, I didn't start doing comedy till I was like maybe 27. Oh really? Okay. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Huh. I started when I was 18. Wow. And it was we've been at it ever since. <laughs> <laughs> I always but you know what I I'm very grateful that I didn't start until my late 20s cuz mm-hmm. I was like well, I didn't ever know I was just a lost soul for a bit and I was like, ooh, the things I would probably say out loud when I was in my early 20s would get me canceled so fast. And I I don't ever (laughs) want anyone hearing those thoughts and feelings and the things I said in my head. So, you know, and, you know, everyone makes those mistakes when they start out. And I'm just like, oh, that isn't funny at all. And like, that's not relatable. And like, Liz, you're just being a bitch, (laughs) which sometimes still happens. But wow. You said it, not me. Yeah. Yeah. That's a, I, uh, the flip side of that is not only would you have probably done material that you'd be like, oh God, I hope nobody recorded that because if anybody hears it, I'm done. (laughs) Uh, Also, just the cringy material you're right whenever you're first starting, especially that young. Like when I was 18, 
first starting doing stand-up, first going to this open mic in my hometown, I had bits that was like, uh, one of them was I talked about, I just said, I just talked about this on the last podcast. I was like, I want to move to a big city one day, but I'm scared of having a gun. So to stop muggers, I'm going to buy a falcon and have him on my arm because no one would mess with a guy with a falcon. <laughs> right, folks? <laughs> <laughs> this guy knows what I'm saying. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I ran that scene. It was it was that easy. <laughs> Yeah, that was uh where did you do your first like mic or, or Oh anything? my gosh. So actually I so I accidentally fell into stand up because I t- wanted to take a writing class at Second City. Mm-hmm. And I was like very scared of everything. And I signed up for a writing class and it ended up getting canceled or something like that. So I had like a credit and I was like, Ugh, oh my god, I'm never gonna do anything with this. And my little brother was like, Have you ever thought about stand up? And I was like are you admitting that I'm the funniest one in the family? Ah. And he was like, no. And I was like, you're right. I'm the funniest one in the family. I'll do, I'll take a stand-up class. And, you know, people have very different opinions on taking classes for stand-up. Yes. And I loved it. I loved it so much. I was, I went in and I was like, oh, I'm never going to do this in front of anybody. This is like a fun exercise to put me outside of my comfort zone. What a way to challenge myself. No one's ever going to see me do this. Yeah. And I think maybe me and two or three of the people in my class are still doing it. And, really? But I am I would say I'm like, even one of my, you know, Tad Walters. Mm-hmm. He's one of my, like, good comedy friends. We ran an open mic together. Yeah. And, like, I do, like, starting out, I was like, oh, Tad's so funny. <laughs> yeah. And I've, like, not saying I'm, like, lapping him, but I just... <laughs> Right. Ted knows I love him and I mean this <laughs> yeah, in the best yeah. way that I'm just yeah. I'm doing more comedy than him. Correct. Yeah. And not not saying I'm funny or not saying anything like that, but I'm taking it more seriously. And he produces an awesome show, Sauteed at Lincoln Lodge, where mm-hmm. it's like a chopped mix with a comedy show. Oh. Um oh, I know this contestants show. have to cook. Oh, it's so fun. Um, but I've you know, I'm like, wow, I never thought I would be the one who's like, yeah, I'm going to move to L.A. and pursue comedy full time. Yeah. From a stand-up class. Fucking hey, that's crazy. I'm glad our stand-up classes, I work for Second City. Uh, I'm, glad, <laughs> I'm glad our stand-up classes have that effect on people still. Uh, yeah, that's, see, that is the thing. Like, there is, like, a lot of debate among stand-up comedians about, like, the class thing. And I think where the argument kind of gets muddied and where everyone's kind of right is I don't think it's possible to teach someone how to be funny. No, I think you are born funny or you are not born funny. Mm -hmm. What can be taught is like a technique or like you can be shown a roadmap to one day be good. Yeah. You know, I think there's like little things in writing. That's so important. That's like, Oh, I never thought of it that way. Oh, of course that makes sense when someone points it out to me or you know, whatever, or like, oh, I didn't even think that was an option. Mm-hmm. And just getting feedback. I think, like, the honest feedback from a teacher, like, I had Marla DePew. She was my teacher. Yeah, yeah. She's so wonderful, such an incredible human being yeah, that great. I was like, wow, what a safe space to try out things that I would never go to an open mic and say in front of people. Yeah. 
Big and time. I think that's the thing I appreciated most out of the class is it's a place to be vulnerable and not like because then the first open mic I ever went to was at the mutiny. Oh no, really? Yeah. You went to that one first? Yeah. Holy shit! Which is like hole in the wall, mm-hmm. cash only, shittiest bar right off of the expressway on Western. Yep. And I was like, someone's for sure gotten stabbed here. I went in there one time and left. My first time ever going to there, I th- I left because I didn't think I thought I had the wrong place. <laughs> I like, walked in <laughs> for the comedy mic, and I'm like looking around, and there's no. Everyone looked like they were made out of salt and blades. <laughs> and I was like, all right, yeah. well, I've had enough of this. Yeah, uh, yeah, and I'm like, oh, I would never walk in there on my own and be like, hmm. all right, let me dazzle you guys with some jokes. Yeah, and at the same time, I would host open mics where you know a class of kids from Columbia would come and, and support each other as a class. And I was like, these fucking dorks. Because mm-hmm. <laughs> it is. It is, yeah. But I was a dork like that. And, right. you know, then I, you know, gained the confidence to go to Mike's by myself and, you know, write jokes that I'm like, oh, this could go one of two ways. And when yeah. they don't go the way you want, you're like, I'll go home and kill myself, mm-hmm. but you don't, and you just yeah. keep going with life. Some of us do. <laughs> <laughs> Some of us do. We're not far from where Steve Lubetkin took a dive off the comedy store. Do you know about that story? No. Oh, Jesus. There's a comic in the 70s named Steve Lubetkin. He um, was a regular at the store back in those days, and mm-hmm. then the, do you know much about the history of the store and like the strike and everything like that? No. So there, in the 70s... Uh, the place was booming like Richard Pryor was there every night Mm -hmm. fucking Jay Leno David Letterman every everyone who's like a big stand-up comedian now from that era were all just on lineups together at the store Mm -hmm. and the comics weren't getting paid Mm. Mitzi never paid the comics unless you were like a Richard Pryor or whatever you know like a huge star coming in to do a weekend headlining gig like the regulars did not get paid okay and so the comics like all got together and formed a little union and were like, we need to be paid for doing this. At least gas money. Like, mm-hmm. give us something. Some of us can't eat. You know, we're yeah. all broke. And she refused. So there was this huge strike where the comics like picketed the store. People weren't performing there. Um, you know, the huge names all people are just standing outside on sunset boulevard with signs uh saying like no money no funny and like stuff like that (laughs) and uh eventually the strike ended uh it's actually jay leno was a part of the strike and he was out striking and this guy who was a comic that had stuck by Mitzi's side and was a scab in the inside, still doing shows while everyone else was picketing, mm. got really mad and like tr- tr- drove through where the protesters were with his car. And Jay pretended to get hit by the car. Like Jay angled his body at the car in a way that he like slapped the side of it uh-huh. and fell over like, oh, and they used that as like, all right, let's end this. Jay's in the hospital. <laughs> wow. He, he, he was like Tom Dreesen or something, like leaned over. He's like, Jay, are you okay? He's like, don't call an ambulance. Just just put me in your car. And just, <laughs> just put me in your car. We're go- it's going to be fine. It's going to be And that's part of what ended it. All that to say, this guy, Steve Lubetkin, who had been one of the protesters on strike, was the only person that like Mitzi didn't let back in afterwards for whatever reason, like... Mm. 
once the strike ended, all the comics were welcomed back in. He, like, never got a spot again. So he jumped off of the roof of the Hyatt Hotel right next to the store with a note in his pocket that said, My name is Steve Lubetkin. I used to be a comedian at the comedy store. Here's my girlfriend's name and her phone number. She'll know what to do. Oh, God. Yeah. Welcome to L.A. <laughs> <laughs> the comedy scene here is super fun. Yeah, my favorite part of the mic the other day was we were outside and, and some like Avery and I were just like chatting with uh, some of the comics outside after. And yeah. they were like, oh, oh, you guys are from Chicago. Uh, oh, I hear it's it's really hard to get stage time in Chicago. And we were like, no, that's so easy. You yeah. can literally get up all over the place anytime. And they were like, oh, well, you know, it's a good place to make money doing comedy in Chicago. And we're like, no, no. <laughs> no. I was like, I would like host at the Laugh Factory and then two weeks later have like a check for $70. And I'm like, oh, this is so insignificant to my life, this $70. Yeah. Don't get me wrong. I love hosting at the Laugh Factory. Right. Thank you, Curtis. <laughs> Thank you, yeah. Curtis. I love you. <laughs> but it, it like the pay is not substantial enough to support my lifestyle. Correct. Yeah. And, and they're like, $70. Wow. That's like $10,000 out here. I was like, oh, God, you guys are not selling me on this. You were talking to the wrong group of open micers. <laughs> yeah. these, these people don't know anything. That's, uh, yeah, I mean, the weird, the, hmm, the interesting thing that I've always said about stand-up in Chicago specifically, or comedy in Chicago specifically, is mm-hmm. that the, the stand-up community there is great, and I love it, but there is a certain, maybe bitterness, maybe resentment i don't know what to call it but like Mm -hmm. people move to chicago to do improv and sketch Mm -hmm. people leave chicago to do Mm stand-up you know what i mean like traditionally like to earn a living because yeah there are jobs in chicago at second city and like other places where you can be a full-time improviser or sketch comic whatever it is Mm -hmm. that doesn't really exist for stand-ups unless you really really hustle and like make your own thing you know what i mean so it's uh, coming out here is where you can like potentially, you know, earn some money. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's is that. W- w- so you came out here for stand up. Yeah. Yeah. That's I mean, that makes perfect sense. Are you are you interested in like acting or writing? Yeah. Or any of that other stuff. All of I mean, everything and anything. Yeah. You know, I didn't come out here to bartend. That's yeah. for sure. Some so. people. <laughs> some people did. <laughs> hey, and yeah. there's nothing wrong with that. Right. But. I'm I'm so bitter and jaded. I should not work in restaurants. You know, we, mm-hmm. I mentioned that. Like, it got to the point. I got fired from one of my bar jobs in Chicago, and then started working at the plate Kirkwood, where I had my open mic. Um, and I'm friends with everyone there, and and worked for the company for a long time. So they let me come in, and I'd be like, last minute, hey, I have a show. Sorry, can't work. And they're like, no problem. We'll get it covered. Like, have fun at your show. Before I left, my manager came to see like three shows in a row Aww. like they're so supportive they're wonderful like a bunch of barbacks came to see me at lincoln lodge yeah. uh like great company great uh great bar to work at yeah and um but it got to the point where like you know it'd be like a college football day and like kids would be like coming in and i would like see no tip on a receipt and i'd call out the guy's name and he turned around and be like yeah and I'm like you're not getting served again you fucking asshole you didn't tip and everyone would be like oh my god and my friend who I had bartend with was like Liz you can't do that and I was like 
what are they gonna do fire me i'm Why leaving yeah watch me right fuck everyone here that's so cool i'm like i shouldn't work with the general public anymore probably not um but People are good tippers out here, generally. That's so, good. Yeah, because I good. think everyone here has worked as a server at some point, a server yeah, or a bartender. Yeah, yeah. It's a, it's a very different machine and a very different animal. But overall, I like it here. I like it here different than I liked it in Chicago. If mm, that makes okay. sense, like, because I love Chicago. Yeah, I had to force myself to leave it. You know, mm-hmm. but also. Chicago always felt temporary to me. Oh. Um, from the moment I got there with my buddies when we moved right after college, mm-hmm. I knew I wasn't going to stay for super long. I was mm-hmm. there for four years, about four years. Mm-hmm. Um, but then whenever I moved here with one of my friends who I had moved to Chicago from college with, his name's Caleb, mm-hmm. um, we just were had you this, like we're home yeah literally like <laughs> wow. we, we had this conversation where uh it was during the pandemic and he would just come and pick me up and we just drive around like the valley mm-hmm. we had this conversation where it's like this feels permanent like this feels like home home like mm-hmm. i can see myself like watching my grandkids like baseball games here you know what wow. i mean like shit like that so yeah yeah. So would you say you're liking it at least so far? I'm liking it a lot. Good. I am I worship the sun. <laughs> yeah. And I love being outside. I love the heat. Mm-hmm. So the weather has really got me. Like I love nice weather. Yeah. Who doesn't? Just the I best mean, weather in the world out yes. here. Yes. Yeah. Oh my god, it's incredible. But I mean I like if I can be in the sun, I will sweat in the sun before I'm <laughs> sitting in air conditioning. That's like perfect. all day, yeah. every day. And I love that. I love being close to my sister because we haven't lived in the same state in over 10 years. So wow. this is like a huge, this is like the, you know, it's like comedy is number one. Number two is like being close to my sister. It's like so magical and special for our relationship and mm. just very wholesome. Mm-hmm. And um, love the weather. There's definitely some things I'm going to have to get used to. Like this traffic is, and I'm used to, Driving in and out of the city in Chicago. Yeah. It's, and Chicago traffic's pretty rough. Yeah. Here, it's different. This, I'm like, is is someone just parked? Right. <laughs> like, did someone turn off their car and leave it? Yeah. Like, why is this taking... Like, mm-hmm. my commute went from 18 minutes to 47 minutes. Yeah. That's what happened to me on my way over here. Folks, I was supposed to be <laughs> at Liz's place at, like, 4.20. Nice. I ended up getting here closer to 5 because I watched two accidents on my way here. Yeah, I also realized no one here knows how to fucking drive. Mm-hmm. Everyone's yep. No one stupid. here knows how to drive, and they also all drive 15 miles fa- like per hour faster than they should be driving. Yeah. Like, everyone's speeding. Everyone's looking every other direction. I don't know. There's also just a large influx of uh, drivers with no driver's license here. Nope. Like people that just never got a driver's license and are just fucking just vroom, vroom. <laughs> You're right down the street from the Peterson Auto Museum, which is the biggest like oh. collection of like vintage cars in the entire world. Oh, maybe I'll check it out. You should. It's beautiful. <laughs> I went with my brother when he was in town. Aw. Yeah. Yeah. What does your sister do? She's a naturopathic doctor. Okay. What does that mean? Um, so she like treats everything holistically. Oh, so okay. instead of like prescribing um, drugs to fix symptoms for something, she like finds the root of the the cause of the problem um, and fixes it through diet, nutrition, all kinds of different care. Um, oh. 
she for a while was specializing and maybe still does in like holistic fertility like having couples get pregnant the most like natural way or like the healthiest way to have like the healthiest baby like a year before you even want to have you get pregnant you like get your sperm in tip-top shape get your eggs in tip-top shape suck on this root (laughs) exactly oh there's a lot of kooky stuff yeah yeah but you know i don't have health insurance and i call her with everything and i'm like garlic up my vagina okay Uh, doctor yeah (laughs) that's beautiful that's a very that's a very italian move so that's yeah. Hey, that's a more. That's a more. That's my gabagool. <laughs> was your sister Aaron Rodgers' doctor? Uh, no, she was not. <laughs> I kid. It sounds like it sounds like what she does is uh, makes sense. Because uh, yeah, that is like a thing. It's like there's such a there's a whole section of medicine that's just. What if you just took care of yourself? It is. It, it, yeah, yeah. yeah. You know? It is like take care of yourself instead of uh, taking a bunch of drugs to. Yeah. It's like maintenance Reverses. on a car. Like you should just get your oil changed and get your tires rotated regularly. Don't wait until it's just covered in smoke and like can't move and you're getting it's a you're great way pushing it into the mechanic exactly. shop. Exactly. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Speaking of Sopranos, <laughs> you and I. Okay. Have been okay. I've been waiting for this. <laughs> ah. So you discovered the show during lockdown. Yes. Tell me everything. What's your favorite aspects? You haven't finished yet, right? No. You're still in six A. Uh, just finished 6A last night, just okay. started 6B, so the spot where I'm at is Chris is fucking the real estate agent, uh-huh. and he tells Tony, oh, I'm fucking the real estate agent, and he's like, why would I care? <laughs> but you can tell he cares, and uh, I know, I mean, you know, I responded to your Instagram story when you posted that thing that David Chase posted, and it's Christopher Moltisanti's headstone, mm-hmm. and I was like, you... Spoiler alert! I know, but it's my fault for watching the show twenty years after it. That's what, yeah, the, was in its prime. The, so. I have a ten-year rule. So. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so that's my fault for not watching it at the hit at the hit of its phenomena. Is right. that what you? Would yeah, say? the height of its fame. Maybe I don't know. But so I know Christopher dies. Mm-hmm. I have a hunch that Tony has to kill Christopher. I thought it was going to happen with the Adriana in the car, thinking Adriana was blowing Tony. And he holds a gun to him and he's like, you're going to fucking look, you're going to accept that nothing happened or this is how it ends. And I was like, oh my God, is this how it ends? Yeah. And it wasn't how it ends. He accepted it. You pushed uh, me to this. Yeah. yeah. Man, I have so many. <sighs> Who's your favorite character? I really love Polly. Yeah. I love Johnny Sachs. Ooh, interesting. Yeah. There's okay. something about him. I don't know. Like just his coolness when he smokes cigarettes is just like. Mm, I love him. I love how much he loves his wife, Ginny. Yep. <laughs> he loves that woman. I know. It's so sweet yeah. and wholesome because they all got gumas, you know, mm-hmm. and he's just like, I love Ginny so much. And I'm like, oh, wholesome. Yeah. Um, and it's so sad when when they made him go back to jail on his daughter's wedding day. And he's bawling his eyes uh, out and, and they all turn to each other and, and they're, they're like, like, what a fucking pussy. Well, we lost respect for that guy. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Phil Leotardo's like, to cry like a woman? Yeah. <laughs> Phil Leotardo. I, uh, that actor is so intimidating looking. He's so intimidating looking. Yeah, he's just like, his head is a perfect square. Yeah. And he's got like, he looks like a snake almost, like a, like some sort of reptile but monster guy. Yeah, but he's like the most Italian, like Roman nose. Mm-hmm. 
who else? I loved Adriana. Mm. Rest in peace. R.I.P. Aid. Yeah. Oh, she just cracked me up, especially with her um, irritable bowel syndrome. <laughs> yeah. And she's just so, her body's just so banging every time she'd be walking around in like her underpants. I was like, God. Yeah. Christopher, do you not see what's in front of you? Right. This woman would give her life for you. Mm-hmm. She was the quintessential, like, early 2000s hot woman. Oh, like, yeah. Like, she's so, everything about her, like, the makeup, the hair, mm-hmm. the clothing was just so, the like. The highlights, the trashiness, mm-hmm. the, yeah. Very, like, uh, Paris Hilton. Yeah. Yeah. I oh, love that. Oh, God, I love her so much. Yeah. Who else? Uh, ew, I hate Meadows boyfriend slash fiance Finn what yeah, a fucking yeah. dork I completely forgot about him until just now yeah that guy sucks he sucks yeah I, it's so weird to me because Meadow I always assumed Meadow would like marry a mob guy you know yeah. what I mean like she wouldn't get involved she would probably have her career I don't think she would be like Carmela and like kind of just be like a mob wife stay yeah. at home whatever I think she would like get a good job but like fall in with a guy from the neighborhood kind of like uh what the fuck uh, was his name jackie jr jackie jr yeah Yeah. but then (laughs) god so much death on that show how do you do um tony's my favorite character which is you know a cliche almost to say because obviously it's fucking i love melfi also oh my god i like the way she talks it's so intriguing yet irritating Mm -hmm. it's like well we talk about what do you what do you think about your mother? Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, I hate your voice, yeah. but I love you. Yeah, she's so like muted compared to the rest of the show. Yeah, I think that was like that had to have been a conscious choice because th- that actor, like the lady who plays Melfi, Lorraine is Bracco. wild. Yeah, she <laughs> originally read for Carmela. Yeah, I listened to one or two episodes of the podcast. Oh, is that uh, <laughs> uh, uh, Michael Imperioli and, and Steve Shippo's uh, podcast? Bobby Bacala, yeah, yeah, yeah. That, yeah, they. D- so something that I've learned from these podcasts that have been put- being put out um, surrounding like the release of Many Saints of Newark, mm-hmm. David Chase was doing a lot of interviews. Mm-hmm. So something I learned about David Chase is that man can make the hell of a, out of a TV series, but he is one of the most boring, unremarkable human beings to listen to <laughs> talk on a fucking all time. Like I don't. I, I don't want to be on record, but I'm on record right now saying like his interviews on podcasts. It's like, so you, you, so this incredible iconic scene, tell us everything. Like, like what, what happened? Like, did, did, what was it like shooting it? What was it like working with these actors? Mm-hmm. Oh, you know, it was a fine experience. <laughs> oh. It's like, oh, that's disappointing. Um, do you love, so my favorite part of the show Uh-huh is the scenes between Tony and Carmela, the intense couples fighting scenes. I love, I, I, when Furio went back to Italy, break my fucking heart in half. Yeah. I, that stuck with me for like a week. Like mm-hmm. I was still watching other episodes or like I had took a few days off where I wasn't. I was like, I need to, I need to decompress from yeah. that. It broke my heart. Yeah. Because I was like, Carmela deserves to be happy too. Mm-hmm. And Fur- I, at first I was like, Ew, who, who's this ponytail guy? <laughs> and then I learned to love him and I was like, oh. Yeah. And you know, I just watched the episode where, and I have one friend who I, he's like the only person I knew that he was super into The Sopranos. So anytime something crazy would happen, I'd text him and be like, Furio left? Or I'd be like, uh, 
what was the other lo- storyline I loved? The Gloria storyline. I was mm-hmm. like, oh my God, Gloria's a crazy bitch, but I love this storyline. It's so interesting. Yeah. And uh, I would text him and I'd be like, does Furio come back? And he'd send me like a little devil f- emoji face and I'd be like, oh, tell me, but don't tell me. And he's right. like, you got to hurry up and, and get done so we can finally talk about this. But at the same time, I was like, I don't want it to be over. Right, yeah. I'm enjoying it too much. It's so, mm, I wish they would have made more, but it's also perfect the way it is. Yeah, it's uh, it's one of those shows that you just want to have on at all times. Like, like, or you don't want it to end. You you want yeah. like the you want to follow, keep following the characters, keep following the little plots and the little little side stories and the the Ugh. little relationships. That you, it's like, oh, and now we're seeing an episode where like Polly's interacting with Carmelo. Oh, that's new. That's kind of fun. Those yeah, two together, like. Oh my god! When Polly finds out that his mom's not his mom, oh. that broke my heart for him too. And I was like, "Oh, Polly has a soft side." I mean, we see his soft side come out a few times, especially when like Tony's not—he's not, he's not hit Tony's right hand man anymore, mm-hmm. and he's you know butthurt about that. But oh, that broke my heart because I was like, "Don't be mean to your mom, and your right? auntie raised you just fine." Exactly. You're not like a good guy, but <laughs> she did the best she could. Polly's laugh is one of my favorite things about that show. I love when he points. <laughs> I love when he points and he keeps his pinky out. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> He's just like a fucking cartoon character. Yeah. Oh, the veto storyline. Come on. Don't even get me started. <laughs> we were just talking about this. The guy with his motorcycle and like going Jimbo out. or whatever. Yeah, yeah. God. He's like strapping fireman fantasy. Yeah. With his Johnny cakes. Man, I was like, oh. and I was like, veto stay there when he first he like tries to kiss him after mm-hmm. like it's been building and he's like i'm not a fag and he's yeah. like oh. what y- he yeah. loves him so much and he's yeah. he's reciprocating oh it's so sad but and then he comes back and he's like he's like oh, i've been you know lying for so long i forget when it's safe to vote and i was like oh you yeah. poor man you've been living this lie <gasps> mm. oh gosh there's such layers to that show so many layers but yeah my favorite scenes by far are like those big scenes with tony oh. and carmella because it's yes. just it's an from an acting because i so i went to college for acting mm. and like every single one of those scenes is just like a textbook like perfect perfectly done scene where it's an immovable like an unstoppable force meeting an immovable object and mm-hmm. they're just fucking going at each other that's what i was gonna that's i went off on my diatribe but the when carmella admits to tony that she's been having like fantasies that like, she's in love with furio and that like comes out all on the table i was like yes let him know babe yeah, yeah like yeah. you fucking tell him <laughs> yeah is your family italian yeah. Going to, yeah. Okay. My, same. On my dad's side. Yeah. Okay. My, mine's on my mom's side. Mm. So my it's uh, De Filippo was ah. is, is our last name. Yeah. Uh, and so that was. Um, have, but I'm fucking, I'm from Missouri, so it's like <laughs> I meet like there's there's a comic out here that's like Italian from Jersey. His parents are from Italy, mm-hmm. and I I did like a bit about being Italian, and he was like. Oh, well, like, what do you, what do you, oh, you, you, I got this thing. He was like talking to me. I was like, brother, I'm from Missouri. Uh, we're Olive Garden Italians. You know <laughs> what I mean? Like, I know very little about this culture. But yeah. I'm trying to learn more. Like, it's an interesting world, you know? It is. I love it. I'm so intrigued by it. My whole family, we think we're more Italian. I mean, my on my dad's side, we're Sicilian. So uh, we're like very much like, 
like Sicilian gypsies, yeah, you know, yeah, just yeah. kind of like dirty mutts from the south exactly. and no one really knows anything and like my grandma like she's not even Italian, she's German and like makes up words and <laughs> yeah. I was like, yeah, yeah. Oh. <laughs> that's great. Yeah. Um yeah, I want to I want to get into more into my Italian roots at some point. I've been wearing um this tracksuit more. Oh, I saw uh, your tracksuit. Yeah, it made yeah. me want to get a tracksuit. But I won, please. I also want a pinky ring. Yeah, that's a big part. That's a big part of it. Uh, cigars are becoming more and more of a thing in my life ever since The Sopranos. Maybe I'll like, start smoking cigars. Dude, you gotta. It's It'll change your life. I don't know how, but I just want to hold them like Tony and be like... Yeah. What did you say? <laughs> it's so hard to do his voice because he, 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 it's like a little... It's almost high pitch. I don't know. I'm not going to Yeah, yeah. Hey, you know what was crazy? Well, also, I've never heard James Gandolfini talk without being Tony. Uh-huh, yeah. That blew my mind. And mm-hmm. when he's in a coma and he's like that Kevin Finnerty or whatever. Yeah, he's not Tony Soprano. I was like, yeah. why is he talking like that? What's going on? Like, I'm, I'm a salesman of, at this regional conference. I don't have my wallet. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, who took Tony? Yeah, it's wild. I'm excited for you to see Many Saints of Newark once you're done. Um I'm excited, too, because it's mostly, like, Dickie Moltisanti's... Yeah, it's Dickie's story, and then, like, little glimpses of, like, what Tony could become, and it's kind of like a fun little, like, will he or won't won't he? We all know he will, but, like, Mm -hmm. yeah, I liked it. A lot of people hated it. I liked it. I have a feeling I'm going to love it, because I, I don't even have to watch a good okay let me preface that okay you know how there's like bad movies of course but you love the people so much yeah like did you see wine country no i did not <laughs> didn't make it out for that one <laughs> it's like amy poehler tina fey maya rudolph uh rachel Drax. i remember seeing it's the trailer so bad but yeah. it's like i'll watch these women do anything yeah it, so i enjoyed it i call that it's like a vacation movie they, <laughs> they all wanted to like spend some time together so yeah. they're like all right let's just go shoot for two months in napa valley and just yeah hang. and i was yeah. like i loved this same with like uh the fucking sex in the city movies uh-huh they're awful movies right it's the cheesiest shit you've ever seen but i'm yeah. like i like the four gals i'm gonna keep <laughs> watching them for two hours i like the four gals especially the second one i'm yeah. like oh really carrie you just ended up in abu dhabi and and ethan what's his name ethan ian aiden oh that's his name oh, okay i'm like he just happens to be it's like so unrealistic and fucking stupid but it's like I'm a fan of this show. I'm going to enjoy watching them do anything. Yes. So I know I'll like Many Saints of Newark. I think you will. I think you really will. Um, that Yeah, Many Saints of Newark is, of course, in many ways, an origin story for Tony Soprano. It's somewhat, it covers, like, it fills in some blanks. Kind of an origin story for the whole series of The Sopranos. You get to see, so you get to see moments that were only ever spoken about on the show. Mm. This is a perfect segue into Liz's origin story, <gasps> which is what I really want to talk about here today. Oh. Uh, what were you like as like an elementary school kid, like that age? Like not just in school, like like did you have friends outside school? Did you act- do activities? Like what, what were you do- like okay. into? Yeah. I was into plays. I would do plays at the uh, park district. Okay. And I was always like in Pinocchio. I was Pinocchio. Wizard of Oz, I was Dorothy. I was a star. I was the star. Yeah. And I was very... 
this is funny because like people who know me from high school, they're like, mm, Liz, like, yeah, you're funny, but you're not like funny enough mm-hmm. to be a comedian. But like if you knew me as a kid, I was very funny and like always pushing the envelope, doing silly, goofy things. Really? Very shy in public. Loved like hanging out with my two best friends, playing Barbies, being fucking weird, giving my brother and sister a hard time. I was the middle child, so oh. I had to like make it be known that I'm here too. Mm-hmm. And I did plays and I played soccer. And then, you know, junior high is like then everyone's self conscious of themselves and yeah, like, yeah. you know, puberty. And then in high school, I went to a different high school. Um, than the rest of my school because of like the boundaries or whatever. So I had to start high school with zero friends. No way. Make new friends. And not even because I moved, you know, like some people you move and that's why. Yeah. They just, the districting lines. Just the districting lines were weird. So I had to make all new friends in high school. So for me, and now I kick, I mean, I don't kick myself. I am who I am for a reason. If I would have done the things that I liked, like art and acting and stuff like that, I could be incredible at those things now. And instead, I went into high school and I was like, well, friends are the most important thing in the world. I better get popular. I'm going to do anything I can to make friends. And I did, but that's... Yeah. And then it was time to go to college. And I was like, well, what do I like to do? I don't like anything. I just want to have fun. Mm-hmm. So Ugh. you went to Arizona State. Worse. As an undeclared major. Where? Worse. University you go? of Iowa. Oh, shit. So the a Arizona Hawkeye, huh? Arizona of the Midwest. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's true. Yeah, that's uh, so rewinding back to ch- childhood. Yes. You, where did like, did, did, can you pinpoint like where this like knack for being funny and like weird and silly came from? Like, was there a was there a moment that it kind of like like a spot like a Spider-Man like spider bite origin like moment? There's not like a one moment, but there's certain things. I remember like my second grade teacher wrote on my report card that I had a good sense of humor which I was like, they never write anything on report cards. What an odd thing to write. But like, wow, it must be funny. Yeah. And I would, my mom would be on the phone, and she, if she wasn't giving me attention, like she'd like have you know the, the cordless phone like in her bedroom on the phone, and I'd go into her bathroom, and I would take her makeup, and I would like draw myself a unibrow <laughs> or like a mole, and I would make my face into like an old Russian woman. Uh-huh. And like to get her attention and she would laugh when she was on the phone and she'd be like, what What are you? Okay, I got to go. Elizabeth's doing that. And I'd be like, what? What are you looking at? <laughs> I was like seven yeah. years old and thought it was like the funniest. I also had a McDonald's set when I was younger, like a McDonald's play set. Mm-hmm. And I would pretend to have I was like this stereotypical like Puerto Rican woman at McDonald's, which like is like sounds very racist saying it now as an <laughs> yeah, adult yeah. but it was just like what i was like okay what you want with your number four uh-huh. and my family thought it was so like my aunts would think it was so funny and i was yeah. just like yeah this is that's how they act at the mcdonald's by our house yeah like i was just doing what i saw you just work at mcdonald's i work at yeah, Mc- i was yeah. like this is as real as it gets people right it was some really grounded realistic acting and you know yeah. it, the truth in comedy honestly <laughs> yeah and I, was, I pretended to have the fake nails now i have the fit not t- I, today i broke two of my nails but jesus two. i have fake nail real yeah. they're real nails but they're long right things like that 
You're slowly becoming a Puerto Rican fast food restaurant employee. Yes, <laughs> where good. I'll get my job then. You're you're in the right city for it. <laughs> That's a uh, oh man, I yeah, because because kids needing attention can go so many different ways depending on yeah. how the adults handle it. it sounds totally. like your adults kind of treated it as like a little show that they all got to kind of sit and clap at and be like, oh, they look, look Liz, like we're going to give you what you need. Some parents are not like that. Mine were, thankfully, like to a certain extent. Um, God bless my mother. She's a fucking saint. She would, this poor woman, I would memorize like entire episodes of like, Cow and Chicken and Rugrats <laughs> or SpongeBob or Ed, Ed, and Eddie, uh-huh. Jimmy Neutron, Dexter's Lab, all those little cartoons. And I would just recite them out loud <laughs> in the car, like doing all the voices and stuff while this person, she's just trying Your to fucking a drive. Saint. She is. She is. A saint of Newark. A mini saint of Newark. <laughs> no, she's, she's never been to Newark. Uh, she hasn't been many places. We need to change that. She doesn't like to travel. Well, maybe she does. I don't know. We'll see. This isn't about my mom. Uh, so were you um, in middle school and like junior high, these ages, what yeah. was that like? Like the puberty years? Junior was that high, no, it wasn't because I two of my best friends from like kindergarten, Cassie and Kim, we shout all went out. to junior high together. Yeah, shout out. <laughs> <laughs> and we became two fr- uh, friends with these two other girls. We were like a little like click, Hell whatever. Yeah. But- me and my Cassie and Kim, which I just stood up in Kim's wedding, and Cassie and I got to walk down the aisle together, and it was like, okay, have you ever, like, this wedding was one of those times, you know, like, two people that enjoy each other's company so much, and they do anything to make each other laugh, or everyone else is like, oh my God, shut the fuck up. Yes. That was me and my friend Cassie at the, through the wedding. Like, we will do anything to make each other laugh. Yeah. And we were on the morning announcements together in junior high. But we weren't allowed to be in the room together at the same time because we would laugh so hard. Or we like my favorite memory of junior high is we took applied technology together and we had to make a video and there was a sign in the like the tech room or whatever. And you might be familiar with this sign. It's a blind woman and it's in black and white and she has like her little scene stick. And so it's Carol never wore her safety goggles. Now she doesn't need them. I've never which is seen like, that sign before. In I've my seen life. it a couple other places, what honestly. The fuck? And it's it's in like <laughs> like follow the rules or go blind, <laughs> exactly. you little shits. <laughs> so we uh, we we got such a kick out of it because it's such like a weirdly threatening sign. Yeah. Uh, like wear your fucking goggles. And so we thought it would be funny to do, like, the origin story of Carol, speaking of origin stories. Mm -hmm. And so I was Carol, and she was a caricature of Barbara Walters from 2020. (laughs) Yeah. And I pretended to be blind, and it was, like, the funniest thing we've ever done. (laughs) And I. I do, a, I do a great blind woman. Uh-huh. Good. And uh, so That sounds like one of those things that might get you canceled these days. That's okay. That's a good, yeah. But as a sixth know. grader, it was a hilarious. Absolutely it was. And I was like touching her face and I was like, Barbara, Barbara, is that you? <laughs> and yeah, we were should, like. shouldn't have gone into that room without my safety <laughs> goggles. <laughs> I should have listened to Mr. Siminski. <laughs> that's our teacher's name. I love that like. Mid Atlantic, like, what's <laughs> going on in here? Hello, <laughs> folks. <laughs> How everyone 
excuse to I talk. love it too. I love it so much. It's the best way to talk. But yeah, we were on morning announcements. We weren't allowed to be in the same room together because uh, we would make each other laugh. So she would do the announcements. I would, I'd do like the book report. So I'd come in and be like, she'd have to leave the room. And I was like, you really should check it out and give a whole like, I wouldn't read the books. They would just tell me what to say. Yeah, yeah. Oh, you'd give like a little like, in this book, J.K. Rowling answers the question, what if Harry's godfather was in prison or whatever? <laughs> Yeah. That's great. That's uh. So were you like? Po- would you say you were like popular, like well liked uh, in the school? In in junior high. Yeah. Yeah, I would say I would say popular. I I think there was like, you know, a couple groups of girl. You know, we were always in some sort of drama. Of course. Because that's children. Yes. Um. Did you play? Did you mentioned you played soccer as a kid? Did you play soccer throughout school? Or did you no. did that fall off? Junior high, I did like a pom poms poms. I think it's called the dance team. Yeah, the non cheerleader cheerleaders. Yeah, yeah and then yeah. in seventh and eighth grade, I did cheerleading. Okay. And then I did like volleyball one year, and then when I got to high school, I was like, oh, all these my high school was, uh, or my junior high was pretty small, and. Then I went to high school and I was like, oh, everyone's way better at this kind of stuff. So I did <laughs> yeah. like one year of no, two years of like JV cheerleading. And then I didn't make it again. And I was like, well, fuck this. I didn't want to do it anyways. Yep. <laughs> and I was like, who does school sports? You fucking losers. Yeah. <laughs> what what sort of let's just roll right into high school then. So you move to a new school. Yeah. Scary. Yeah. Big school. Big scary. school. Yeah. Like 2,000 people. Oh, 2,000 people in the whole school? Yeah. Okay. My class is like just over, I think like between five and 600 people. Gotcha. My class was about 400 people. So it was a little less than that. And I thought oh, I went to a big high school. And then I talked to some of these people that are like, some yeah, there these... were a thousand people in my graduating yeah. class. Yeah. I'm like, God, I'd hate to go to your graduation. Oh, my God. I hated my own graduation because I was in choir. And the mm. choir, we had to, with the choir seniors, like, sang at the beginning of it. So mm. we, we all went in all first. Yeah. Oh. So we were in the first two rows. So I had to just sit there while people that I resented for 18 years <laughs> just walked past me. It was horrible. Uh, were you, like, did you do any sort of like plays or anything like that in high school? Or did you just completely stop that sort of stuff? I did maybe one or two plays in high school. Yeah. Um, they weren't like, I mean, I can't sing. So I never did any like musicals. And those are like the fun ones to of watch. Course, yeah. And the plays we did, one of them, it was like student directed. Oh, no. So And like that was can't do that awful we had one of the best theater programs in the entire state of missouri my high school and i still no absolutely not (laughs) i would have rather drank poison than (laughs) watch something that one of these fucking students created yeah it was garbage um and i think that's when i was like oh yeah this is this sucks yeah were you a fan of comedy like like at this point like were you watching stand-up and like anything like that no, and I still don't watch a lot of stand-up. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Okay, so you have no respect for like... <laughs> I don't the respect art the art. Yeah. Uh, I think anyone who does it's a fucking fool. Well, you're not wrong. I, like, th- my extent of, like, watching stand-up is, like, my dad loves Eddie Murphy Delirious, so oh, he'd, like, geez, yeah. he'd, like, watch it when my high school boyfriend would be over, and, like, we'd be sitting on the couch, and Eddie Murphy's like, oh, you know, pussy's, pussy's just falling out of my pocket. Pussy, uh-huh. pussy, pussy. And he'd, like, my dad, 
like looks back and like makes sure we're laughing at the parts that he's laughing oh at. And I was like, oh my God, dad, I'm like 16 sitting here with my boyfriend. I love your dad. <laughs> I would, I just from hearing that, I know oh we would God. get along you real would, well. Well, speaking of Italians, my dad's name is Tony Zagoni. Oh, the mask king of the Midwest. The mask king of the Midwest. <laughs> That is, do you want to tell the the kids listening right now what your family, like what your dad, like yeah. the mask business and stuff? Yeah, my dad makes Halloween masks. My grandpa started the company back in the 70s in Chicago. Um, my dad and my uncle bought it, bought it from my grandpa when he retired, and now it's called Zagoni Studios. It's in Melrose Park. Um, yeah, if you've ever seen the movie The Town with Ben Affleck. Of course. Of course. <laughs> yeah. That's our nun mask. Really? Yeah. No shit. Mm-hmm. I love that movie. That's the one where he like walks it's, in. We're lucky that it was also, because they used it a ton in the marketing. Yeah. And like but all it the also books. ended up being a really good movie. Yeah. And we were like, thank God. That's the movie where like Ben Affleck is like walks up to like Jeremy Renner and is like, we got to go do something. I'm not, I can't tell you what, I can't tell you what, where it's, where uh, we're just going to hurt some people. I can't tell you why. And whatever the fucking Jeremy Renner is just like, whose cow we taking? Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah Such a good movie. Great little film. Yeah. That's our oh. nun mask. And our masks are in a lot of, they get are sold to like Party City, uh, Spirit Halloween. Yeah. All those places. A lot of haunted houses. And a lot of TV shows and movies will use our masks in the background or off the top of my head. I know they were in like Dexter. They were in like Boo, Amadea Halloween. Amazing. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like random stuff. And no one in our family really like watches TV or movies, um, especially my dad. Like we went and saw the town as a family because we were selling so many masks. Yeah. And um, whoever was buying the props for the film like had emailed my dad and he was and she was like ben and the guys love your masks and my dad was like i don't know who ben is so then (laughs) as a family we went to go see the town Uh and my dad was like yeah let's bring these nun masks and we'll wear them out of the theater after oh no and we brought them and then we watched the movie and my dad's like i don't think we should walk out of the theater in the nun masks we're like yeah no shit dad (laughs) We don't want to get shot. Yeah, that's. I have a mask tattoo. Did you know that? No, right here. It's from the Jim Carrey movie, The Mask. It's on my thigh, folks. I didn't just expose myself. (laughs) And now, ladies and gentlemen, Louis (laughs) C.K. Chance, put your wiener away. (laughs) Hi, how are you? That's my Louis. Um, That's good. (laughs) Thank you. Uh, Yeah, I love the movie, The Mask. Uh, Did you guys do anything like with COVID masks at all? Was there any sort of like... uh, Some of the masks are technically covid they meet their requirements because some of the masks, they're such good quality mm-hmm. that they, I would say more than half of them, they like fit to your face. Yeah. So there's a s- section of them that are like basically on like a sock, like you pull it all over your head and there's two pieces. So the jaw matches up with your yeah, jaw. Yeah, I've seen and those. And then the top half stays on the top half. Mm-hmm. And when you move your mouth, the jaw will move and it looks like you're talking. And yeah. because it has the cloth behind, you know, just has the eyes cut out. Uh, it technically does cover your mouth and nose, and it wow. could be COVID safe or whatever. Why not? That's. Uh, are you familiar with the band Slipknot? Having spent so much time in Iowa, um, I've heard of them. Okay, well, they wear masks on stage. Oh yes, and yes. The lead singer Corey Taylor 
It's either his current mask because they've gone through like multiple iterations of masks. It's either his current mask or the most the mask before this current one. Mm-hmm. He, it was like that where it was like uh, it, the jaw like moved uh-huh. and it looked like his face was just like all fucked up and it was like really skin tight to him and uh-huh. stuff. And he looked like a demon and yeah, because he has to sing with a mask on, which is hard. Allegedly, it is. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah that's yes. Uh, voice does not carry the same way when you're covering your face. Muffled. Yeah, it yeah. definitely doesn't. That's uh, yeah. I just t- I <laughs> this past Halloween, I like posted something on my story. I was at like a Halloween store, and you're like, "Those masks are bullshit." Yeah, <laughs> and yeah. I looked through your like family's website. I was like, "Holy shit, this, they is, a, are, this is big." And I'm not exaggerating. They are the best halloween masks you're ever gonna find. Mm-hmm. They are all made in the U.S. of A. There it is. What's the website? Zagonistudios.com. Z-A-G-O-N-E-S-T-U-D-I-O-S. That's correct. Okay, good. <laughs> you, you nailed it. Yeah, so we, we went to go see the town as a family, and we're walking out. My, we're like, okay, we won't wear the nun masks. And my dad looks at it and goes, which one was Ben Affleck? Oh, my fucking God. <laughs> he goes, that real mousy one? I was like, no, Dad, that was Jeremy Renner. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, that's Hawkeye. That's... <laughs> That's so funny that they just was, there's no, just like, eh, who gives a fuck? My mask was on the, on the screen. If you talk to my dad for three minutes, masks will come up and he never shuts the fuck up about them. That's great. And my mom gets very aggravated and, uh. We all we all do. We're like, Dad, shut up about masks. Up but about other people masks. think it's so interesting. When you grow up with it, you're like, ugh, yeah, it's just our weird family business. Yeah. But when you're as an outsider, it is very interesting and unique. It's very interesting and unique because it's not something you think of like a Halloween mask as just like this kind of novelty seasonal thing. Yeah. And so that's that's so cool that there's like a whole industry of like mask makers and like makeup effects like that whole sort of like world yeah Um, did you so like through doing all this stuff did you like did you love the goosebumps the the haunted mask uh whenever you were a kid did you watch that at all no no god damn it you know i also grew up without cable so i don't i never watched any of those i didn't watch a lot interesting so you weren't you would not consider yourself a raised by tv kid no, I mean I watched a lot of like Arthur, mm-hmm. like Channel Eleven, yeah, yeah, and like The Simpsons on yeah. Channel Thirty Two. Okay, well, that counts. Yeah, that's there. Well, there's just a lot of people. Uh, you're in the minority of people on, that have been on this podcast where it's like, I learned everything about the world from TV. <laughs> there's mm. a lot of people like that. So, gotcha, yeah, but it's good to not be that way all the time. Um, yeah. What was like some of your when you were in high school, like mm-hmm. in the throes of high school and the, you know, the weird fucked up time that that is, do you have like some favorite memories, like some favorite moments of like either like a personal accomplishment or something you're really proud of or some like wild thing that is seared into your brain? Anything like that? Um, high school was pretty much like have fun. Like mm-hmm. it, it was my and I'm still friends with all my high school girlfriends um, then we're just like a, there's like ten or eleven of us. It's obnoxious, but um, it was a lot of like, you know, drinking in someone's basement. Hell yeah. Um, I I had to work, so like all my friends. I have an early birthday. I'm a September birthday, so like I was able to get my license before everyone else, or like one of my friends, her birthday is the day before mine. Um, but I had to wait because my parents were like, well, if you want to get your driver's license, you have to pay for the insurance first. So you have to get a job. And I was like, oh, 
So I was like a year late to get my license. And then I was like resentful because all my friends got to like go out and have fun. and didn't have to work and I had yeah. to work. I mean, some of them worked, but, you know, I had to like pay Support for my yourself. car insurance. Yeah, that sucks. That's the worst. I, I, uh, I never drank in high school. Really? Like if you, believe it or not, I was not, um, I was just too busy. Like, and that's the other thing. Like, I never had, like, a job job in high school. I mm-hmm. would go to my friend's ranch and oh. work on the ranch for money. That um, sounds way harder. Yeah, it was. I mean, we'd make it fun. Like, we would go down for just, like, a weekend mm-hmm. and stay there, sleep, like, at the ranch and, like, wake up and, you know, build fences or, like, castrate cattle and shit okay, like that. Okay, I was going to say, I love physical labor. I would love that. Not castrate cattle. I would not like that. One of the wildest experiences to this day I've ever How been involved with. So there's this thing called a shoot where it's like, you. so you have all the cows in a pen, uh-huh. like, all, like, just, like, kind of moseying around. Yeah. And there's a door in the pen that you pull a lever and the door opens, and that's the chute. And you sort of yeehaw one of the cows through the chute, which is like a hallway. Mm-hmm. So it's like they come out of the corral down this hallway. And it's just this skinny hallway that they, it's just so they wide enough. they can't turn around and leave. Exactly. They can't it's, change their mind. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> it's just wide enough for them to be able to walk through. Uh-huh. And you just basically would, you know, sometimes the cows would go on their own down the chute. Other times you'd have to hit them to get them to like go down run down the chute mm-hmm. and at the end of the chute like what looks like they're about to run off into just like open pasture mm-hmm. there's another lever and when you throw that lever these two metal bars like pop out of the sides of the wall and lock on either side of the cow's neck okay and well, i guess it's a bull because we're castrating them. <laughs> the bull's neck uh-huh. on either side and then they're locked in place and they can't move. And you literally just go in there with a pair of clamps. It's like these really like oh. industrial sized clamps. Yeah. And there's a vein that you just like get up under. It's like hind haunches. Is it the vast just... deference? Probably. I think that's it's Yeah. You just give it a vasectomy basically. And you just snip the vein. The balls stay on like there wasn't like a little ball okay, bucket. Okay. So you're not like. You're not, like, removing the testicles. No, you're just, just, like, clipping it so that it's not – the sperm function doesn't work anymore. That's less graphic than I Yeah, I didn't have, like, a hot knife being like, (laughs) get over here, cow. Well, you know know Mo Abed, right? Of course. course. The first few times he'd come to my open mic at Kirkwood, he would talk about – because his family (laughs) slaughters – animals (laughs) animals <laughs> and he's like yeah you know you you're holding a goat's head and you just yep. swipe uh. across the neck and the blood squirts out and i was like i'd have to get up and leave during his set because yeah. i was like i'm not listening to this again <laughs> sometimes you just gotta behead a cow or whatever the fuck he talks yeah. <laughs> <laughs> fuck you mo i know you're listening <laughs> that fucking guy he did this show it did great numbers because it was ooh, it was right when like all the shit in palestine was popping off mm. and he talked about it and was <laughs> this sounds like i'm joking <laughs> and i kind of am but he also like had some really interesting points and educated me and i think my listeners oh, we love you mo good. love you mo we're fans uh uh, so, so you didn't drink in high school? I did not. <laughs> All that to say. <laughs> I'd have to no. drink after watching those cows get their vast deference snipped. Ooh. Yeah, it was rough. Um, did you have like a teacher, like a 
I'm not going to say. Do you know? Do, do you understand the Mr. Feeney reference? Yes. Boy Meets World. Okay, cool. Yeah. Uh, did you have a? <laughs> I asked you that as if you're like a fucking cave woman. <laughs> you just well, said I don't no. have cables. Boy <laughs> Meets World was on TGIF on Friday nights on okay. Channel Nine, I think. Okay. <laughs> that you remember the channels. I, I remember all my channels. <laughs> we had two, as well. five, seven, nine, eleven, twenty-three, thirty-two, and fifty. Beautiful. Yeah. We had DirecTV. Cartoon Network was 296. Okay. Right? <laughs> Brag. Big, big balling over here. It was cha- Cartoon Network was 296. Nickelodeon was 300. Disney was like 279, something like that. I don't know. Um, did you have like a Mr. Feeney, like a, like a high school teacher that was like kind of your mentor, like somebody that was like, hey, I believe in you or anything like that? Not really. Yeah. A lot of people don't would you, yeah. on this show. Like I ask that question every time and a lot. It's about 50-50 of like, no. Yeah. They all just kind of showed up and did their jobs. Yeah. I mean, there were teachers who I liked more than others. Mm-hmm. But yeah, no Mr. Feeney's. What was the high school? What was the name? Prospect High School. Prospect High School in Mount Prospect, Illinois. Correct. There yeah. you go. Well, you're put on notice now, Mount uh, Prospect High School. Get some more... <laughs> you know, motivating teachers on the on the staff down there. In 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 defense of the school, it was rated like one of the top places to raise your kids or go to school. So, I don't know. Some weird made up you know, award that something they probably no one said gives in a fuck about. Yeah. yeah. That's what my high school, Nixa High School, was like like the like we won we were like the blue ribbon like statistic like uh standardized testing score school for like seven years in a row wow, or congrats. something like that. I know, <laughs> I know. It really did a lot for me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. God, I do not miss standardized testing. The worst. So stupid. But that's how you get into college, which you attended University of Iowa. So I went to Iowa for a year. Okay. Good. Just and one then- year. And then I came home and I went to Harper Community College. Okay. And I was like, why didn't I do this right off the bat? I was like, <laughs> oh, really? I had a friend who went to Harper. I had a couple friends who went to Harper first. And they're like, I'm going to get my associates and then decide what I want to do. And I was like, why didn't I? I was too concerned about having fun, fitting in yep. like a fucking idiot. Mm-hmm. And so I, yeah, I came home, went to Harper, was working a lot. Um, then I was like, I just want to be done with school. So I went to UIC, University of Illinois at Chicago. Fuck that place. Fuck that place. My dad went there for engineering and he's like, oh, it's a great school. They would not accept any of my high school language. So I basically had to take like three extra years of Italian for a communication Uh, degree. I was like, you guys can all suck my dick. Yeah. I just want to be done with school for a degree I'm not going to use anyways. So then I was like, maybe I'll just go for like drawing or something. I like to draw as a kid. Forgot to bring that up. Fuck it. And so then my dad was like, okay, well, if you're going to go to an art school, don't go to UIC, go to a real art school. One of some guy that he, he's probably like a few handful of years older than me. I don't know. His name's Anthony Kozar. He actually does a ton of FX stuff in movies and TV. He's hmm. like worked on Candyman. Oh, he's cool. very, very talented. Yeah. He's incredible. He's done some sculpt work for my dad. Um, and whatever. So, you know, he's like, find out where Anthony went, look into a school like that. So I did. And I went to the same school as him, um, American Academy of Art. It's like downtown on like Michigan and Van Buren in Chicago. Took me three years to, you know, do that. I got a degree in fine art. 
Oh, same. Really? I'm a Bachelor of Fine Arts in acting. Oh my God, so. mine's illustration. There you go. A real fine art. A real fine <laughs> Mine art. Mine is a objective art. <laughs> <laughs> That's cool. That's a lot of colleges. Like, it sounds like you, had a, you, you did a little bit of everything. You did the state school. You did, like, the city state school. You did the yeah. community college. You did the specialized art school. Like, yeah. that's all of them, I think. The only thing you're missing is a trade school. I know. Yeah. Have you ever considered going back and becoming like a carpenter or a plumber or something like that? Honestly, I would love, I told you, I love working with my hands. Mm-hmm. I think, I worked with a girl at a res, at a restaurant who, she went into welding recently. Fuck yeah. That's and I'm what like, my brother that's the coolest thing I've ever heard. Yeah. My brother wants to be a welder. So cool. And I was like, oh, for jewelry? And she goes, no, for like construction stuff. And I was like, wait, that's way cooler. <laughs> no, for like buildings and cars. I was like, cars. God, I'm so sexist. <laughs> such a bad feminist oh a lady welder what do you make like dainty little earrings <laughs> with a blowtorch <laughs> that's awesome that's uh did you go to any wrestling matches at iowa uh, well in your year there did you did you see no. the hawkeye wrestling team? i had a friend who i don't know if he wrestled he does some sort of physical fighting something like that yeah. maybe like taekwondo i have yeah. no idea i was like the wrestling school it's like the most legendary college wrestling school in the history. Oh. So, yeah, that's uh, they. My friend, did you ever meet Max Tort? I don't think so. Avery and I are buddies with him. Um, I met him working on this show with him, and I didn't even know that Avery and him knew each other. Um, he went to Iowa uh, mm. for their like journalism school or something. I might be butchering this. Sorry, Max. Um, but <laughs> like he was talking, he talked about how like they would have wrestling meets like on the football field, like oh. outside, and it'd be like sold out, and like there was like fire coming up out of the ground. And wow! It was, like, it was like WWE style, but like with the boring ass college wrestling, where it's just like <laughs> where it's like one person hunching on another, like <laughs> just <laughs> like trying to hump on the ground. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's there's no like jumping off the top rope, no hitting each other with chairs. Okay. Just kind of like, do you want up or down? <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah. Good times. That's uh, Which of the schools would you say uh, was like your favorite experience overall? Because I hated one of your schools, UIC, because I, so when I first moved to Chicago, I graduated mm-hmm. college that May. Okay. And then two weeks later, we moved, we packed the car and moved to Chicago. Mm-hmm. I walked at graduation, but I still had a math class. I didn't take a math class the entire time I was in school. Mm. So I needed one for my degree. Um, So I went, I did it online through this community college in my hometown that it transferred. Like this math class at this school transfers as this math credit that you need at your school. Missouri State University is where I went. so I was doing this online math class through Ozarks Technical Community College from my living room table in Chicago. Uh-huh. And uh, when it was test time, I had, to, I had to go take proctored tests at UIC. Oh, that sounds like a nightmare. Fucking, I lived in Buena Park. And I would have to take, and mind you, I just got to town. Yeah. So I would have to navigate getting like to the blue line, getting there, walking yeah. that weird highway. Yeah, like, over the highway. Oh, I hated every second of it. Yeah. Yeah. I hated UIC the most. I mean, they didn't accept. Harper Community College was like, we will make everything as easy as possible to yeah. transfer you into a different school to get your bachelor's like they want to help you it was 
Harper was probably my favorite college experience. That's I awesome. mean, Iowa was very fun, but like school, I also didn't know. I was like, well, I don't know. Maybe I'll be a teacher. It's like, yeah. no, I don't want to do that at all. <laughs> Fuck them kids. Yeah. So Harper, I would say like at that point I had like enough like wherewithal as an adult at that point to be like, okay, this is how things work and this is what I want to do or this is what I don't want to do. I know that. Yeah, yeah. And Harper was like, all right, we're going to set this up, make it as easy as possible. You want to do this? These are the classes you need to take. Here's someone to shove you in that direction and, and tell you everything you need. UIC was like, oh, really? Harper said that? Hmm. Well, we're different. You can't do that. I remember going somewhere like I have like three distinct memories of like leaving UIC and I was only there for a semester crying, walking down a hallway because I was like, I'm never going to get out of this school. Like I'm never going to finish. Yeah. And I what was the other one I had at UIC. Um, Well, my Italian teacher was a huge fucking bitch. Mm hmm. Um. UIC just feels like a prison also. It does. Just like being on that campus, I was like, coming from my college campus, which is like vibrant and fun and full of life and yeah. cool, I would like walk around, granted it was summertime, but I would just be like, this is depressing. Like, yeah. All these buildings look like shit. Oh, awful. I remember yeah. the thing I hated most about um, UIC. It was, I had a teacher, like an English teacher, and it was very like like journalism based where it was like, okay, and then you're going to have to go into the computer and use this searching tool to find documents, to find stories uh-huh. that are happening. And this is how you search and blah, blah, Long story short, she's going through all this and I was like, oh, I actually, um, I'm not going to be in class on this date. At the time I was working at a bar in Wrigleyville and it was opening day for the Cubs. So I was like, um, I won't be in class this day. I have to work. And she'd be like, well, this is your education. Fuck you. And I was like, I'm putting myself through school. I need to work. This is like. This is part of this is the education. Like yeah. Going to pay for half my semester right now. I like I cannot miss this. This week. 18 hour day to work. Yeah. Like I need it. And she was a huge fucking another just like. Oh, she yeah. was awful and was like, well, this is your education. I was like, no, this is real life. I need the money. Yeah, I had one of those at uh, Missouri State. Her name was uh, Miss Cohen, I think. Professor Cohen, whatever the fucking was. She <clears throat> was an English 2 professor. So I had taken English 1 freshman year, and then English 2 was the s- uh, second semester of freshman year. Mm-hmm. And, or no, it was sophomore year. It was the beginning of sophomore year. And it beca- so it was like, the class was like professional writing or whatever, like, like uh, not creative writing. It was like, gotcha. here's how to like present information in like a professional, well sourced and like cited. I way. hate citing the things. Worst of all time. <laughs> fucking dumb. You know how I know it? Because I read it. You don't need to know where I fucking <laughs> yeah. read it from. Kill yourself. <laughs> oh, I put no. the period in the wrong place after the author's last name of where <sighs> I found their fucking info. Suck my yeah. dick. I, why? Okay, yeah. LTDSP, whatever the fuck, backslash. <sighs> Shit. Oh, it's so dumb. Nightmares. Oh. My best friend is a college English professor getting his like doctorate right now, and he is. I know you're listening to this, Nick, and I'm so sorry. We're shitting on a major component of your life, but fuck it. It's yeah. so bad. Yeah. Uh, and my choice of like for my first paper that I was writing, this was right after Robin Williams had died. Uh-huh. So I, the topic I chose, she was like, pick like a current events topic and write like an informative essay about it. Mm-hmm. And I love 
writing. I used mm-hmm. to people used to pay me in school to write their essays for them because mm-hmm. I just fucking I can just sit there and just bang out a paper. Mm-hmm. So I wrote my paper on this phenomena of very successful beloved people committing suicide mm-hmm. and like like what causes that like an analysis of like you know the mental health side of things the the drugs and alcohol like it was sort of like an all-encompassing thing mm-hmm. and I remember I went with my first draft to her office and I was like for like our first round of feedback or whatever and then we would go and re- rework it and come back whatever mm-hmm. she read the first page of like a seven page paper and then just dropped it down back onto her table and was just like, like, what the fuck are you even doing? Like, what is this? Uh. And I was like, huh? <laughs> She's like, do you even fucking want, like, 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 I don't understand this. I don't get it at all. And I was like, okay, but it's what I've got. She was like, yeah, I don't care. I mean, fucking. What a bitch. Ugh. And she's just like rolling her eyes and like texting <gasps> the entire time. Like, That's uh, just, not a good teacher. Yeah, she sucked. I, she's a terrible educator. And she, uh, we went on. Do you know RateMyProfessor.com? Yes. I looked her up on that and she was the lowest rated professor like in the state of Missouri. Wow. Like she was notoriously a shit teacher. And Ugh. I hope she listens to this. Fuck you, lady. Yeah, fuck you, lady. <laughs> um. <sighs> this is your interview. <laughs> Sorry, so, I love to shit talk, so I don't mind. Oh, me too. Uh, well, we're getting there because we're now approaching. Let's just talk about very briefly. What was what was your life like pre stand up? Like from like college, you get this degree in uh, fine this fine arts illustration degree. Mm-hmm. From there to like up until your first open mic, what mm-hmm. what was that kind of like? Okay, so that was. A lot of just being miserable, working in restaurants, mm-hmm. trying to find a purpose or a direction, and didn't know what I wanted to do. Um, a lot of going out, drinking Fuck too yeah. much, Fuck yeah. fucking partying. Um, yeah, just a lot of like... Oh, not a good mental, a lot of negativity, mm-hmm. cynicism, just like, oh, everyone sucks. I'm miserable, so I'm going to make everyone else miserable. Yeah. Everyone's mean to me in restaurants and bars and everyone's stupid except me. And yeah, just like not knowing what I wanted to do and then stand up really like, well, some other th- some other like self help things were, were very helpful, also and, like yeah. therapy and stuff. But finding my creative outlet was so important because now I'm like, oh, yeah, we all have a story. Those yeah, <laughs> right. those years, Jesus. Uh, those years sound like you like your time in the wilderness, like your sort of want like your wandering years. Very where it's wandering. Like, what the yeah. fuck? Like when Jesus was in the wilderness. I don't know if you're religious at all. No, um, I was raised Catholic, but I uh, of course, you know, uh, Father, Son, House of Gucci. Have you seen? That <laughs> no, I haven't, but I want to. I love Lady Gaga so much. We'll have to go see it. We'll go see it in theaters. We'll go okay. to Olive Garden before. Yeah, be very, that's what uh, when I went and saw Many Saints with Caleb, we stopped. We were going to go to Olive Garden before and have a meal, but the line was like. Like wrapped around the buildings. So Everyone else had the same idea. <laughs> it was opening weekend. They're like, I like, want authentic Italian dinner. These are the fucking fucking guineas. Yeah, I was. <laughs> it was great. We went. To, we ended up going to Outback Steakhouse and our <laughs> okay. server. There is an Outback Steakhouse in Burbank out here. Our server 
spoke in an Australian accent. She came to our table. She was <laughs> like, was she Australian? "How are you? Here are your menus. All right. No. Like, like, have fun. I'll, I'll I'll be back to serve you whenever whenever you're ready or whatever." And she like walked off. And Caleb and I immediately turned to each other and were like, "That's not a real accent. She's she's like working on something right now. Like yeah. she's she's like an actor that like like thinks it's fun. Like oh, I work at Outback Steakhouse. I'll like she's Australia. making her shift less boring by." Yeah. Adding right. a little flair, and we loved it. We just wanted to know the truth. Yeah, uh, and, but we never, we never got to the bottom of it. But because she would like slip out of it, like like certain yeah. words she wouldn't say, like uh, I think water. Yeah, it was water. She was like, like, and hey, do you want more water? <laughs> and I was like, no. Australians say it like water, and water. she said water. Like she said it like with uh, a hard R. She- <laughs> <laughs> hard R water. Yeah, yeah. She's canceled. She's yeah, yeah. yeah. Um. So it sounds like yeah. Anyway, it sounds like that the that was sort of a um, you know a tumultuous time in your life. But it was. then you find this path that yeah. gives you some direction. Would you say? Absolutely. Yeah. And a lot of okay. So during that time, also it was like all my friends who had graduated from college were all getting their like out of college jobs. I think maybe they all work in marketing. I have no idea. I can't tell you what any of my friends do. I assume do. everyone works in marketing right? until, until told otherwise. Like my one friend works at Google and I'm like, all right, I know you work in marketing. Mm-hmm. Everyone else, I just assume. Um, and a lot of my friends were, you know, like getting serious with their significant others. So then, and I, you know, would date people on and off, whatever. And I was like, Okay, I just need to find someone so I can get married and have kids because that's what I'm supposed to do. And that sucks. And that, oh man, did I dodge a bullet? Not that I was like, <laughs> not that I like left a man at the altar and was like, I'm right. gonna go pursue my comedy career. <laughs> there was never a guy like that. But, yeah, no. But I, you know, I'm so glad I have more to look forward to in life than just like finding a mate mm-hmm. to to procreate with yeah that's huge that's like that's something that i am really thankful for like my mom for because she she had me when she was super young Mm -hmm. um hot so she right yeah (laughs) extremely so she had like this perspective on life of like what maybe doing certain things too soon can Mm. do to a life Mm -hmm. and the opportunities that you miss out on Mm -hmm. so she was always like I just remember guys that I was friends with would have these serious, serious girlfriends in high school. Mm -hmm. And, like, the moms would, like, be so supportive and basically be, like, treating her like a little, like, their husband's little wife. And, like, Mm. trying to, like, I'm going to plan a photo shoot for you guys. And, like, being so supportive of these relationships. That sounds very rural. Very. Oh, extremely rural. Okay, Because they wanted them to get married. Like, immediately. Because they want grandkids. Because now their kids have facial hair and they want (laughs) little babies again. Yeah. So, it was, uh, my mom was never like that. She, in fact, like, she wouldn't, like, straight up discourage me from dating. But Mm -hmm. she just was always really good about telling me, like, there is so much more than getting married to somebody that you grew up with. You know? Like, in, in that way. So, yeah, it is dodging a bullet yeah. in a lot of ways. But then for some people, it's the greatest thing that's ever happened to them. <laughs> well, right. And, well, I come from a family where both my grandparents, both sets of grandparents got pregnant and married very early. Mm-hmm. But they're still married, still love each other very much. My parents met when they were, like, 16 and 17, went to different high schools, but high school sweethearts love each other very much to this day. Like, they drove me out here, and it was, like, like I was like, oh man, you guys are like 
still like the cutest fucking people I know. They Aww. love each other so much that my dad respects my mom like more than any man I've ever seen respect a woman. Like it's oh, just so beautiful. Come on. So it's like why wouldn't I it's like, yeah, I was like, oh, that's what I'm supposed to do. I'm supposed to find my Tony Zagoni, you yeah, know? Yeah, And then it set an unrealistic expectation for men because now I'm like, oh, guys are way shittier than that. Yeah. I've been trusting all these men because they say they like me. and <laughs> But not they're the not case. my dad. They're not, you're not my dad. <laughs> Let's unpack that. <laughs> no, but yeah. so, and so like not consciously but subconsciously like my parents have been like you know very traditional and they're like well when you have kids of your own and oh and they've I've cried to them you know because I'm like I don't know if I want to have kids or like I'm never going to get married and have kids whatever uh angle I'm taking it from my parents are very much like you don't have to get married you don't have to have children we don't need to have grandkids you have two siblings there is no pressure for any of you to give us grandkids. If we have some, fantastic. If not, it's your life. You do what you want with it. That's great. It's the best thing you could want in your parents. But I'm like, just tell me what to do. Right. Come on. <laughs> I'm like, can't you just marry me off? Just some clear guidelines. <laughs> yeah. 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 My mom's never brought up grandkids and I don't speak with my father. So I don't think I'll, it'll be a while till I have kids probably. <laughs> so that's probably for the best. Well, that's, yeah, that's one of those. Yeah, you'll see what happens when, if the time comes. Yep. Speaking of hating your dad, comedy <laughs> time. <laughs> uh, so we touched on this a little bit at the beginning, but like, I don't know. It's it's just, it's just, it's always interesting to me to hear people who like, you definitely didn't get into it late. I don't want to say the word late because your 20s is like fucking Joey Diaz didn't start doing comedy until he was like 30 something. I don't mm-hmm. know. Um, so there's really no... But I don't want to say there's not a, it's, it's never too late because sometimes it's absolutely too late. And we've all seen those people at the mic. Yeah, we got you. But, um. Like, all right, beat it, Grandpa. Right. Do you have, like, favorite comics? Like, 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 do you have, like, a list of, like, your top five or top three, whatever, like, favorites? I have, like, people that I've seen and I really like. Mm-hmm. Like, I, when I was dating someone, he really loved Daniel Tosh. So I took him, I got him, like, tickets for his birthday or something. We went and saw him. I love Daniel Tosh. I thought he was so funny. Yeah, he's a great stand-up. I watched Tosh.0 all the time. Like, I was like, I really love watching this guy. Mm-hmm. Um, I used to like Louis C.K. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's tricky. Uh, I love Whitney Cummings. I don't love her stand-up. Okay. I like, I like it. Yeah, yeah. But I, I, like, I read her book, and I liked that way more. Do you and listen I to like, her podcast? I don't really listen to podcasts. Good. Well, that's all from Liz, folks. No, no. Here's the thing. Some of them I'll listen to if I'm the guest. Oh, perfect. Let me put it this way. I've listened to more podcasts where I'm the guest than ones where I haven't. And it's so refreshing. It's only because I know that I'm the minority in this, that a lot of people love podcasts. Yeah. And I get it. Yeah. But I don't like listening to conversations. I host a fucking podcast. Yeah. I've never listened to one of those episodes. Really? Yeah. Interesting. What's your podcast? It's called Petals and Pricks, a Bachelor Bachelorette podcast. Okay. Cool. Here's the other. I'm not. I fucking hate The Bachelor. Yeah. It's not my podcast, but I've slowly. Do you know who Jonah Jerkins is? No. Okay. He's a Chicago comedian. Good friend of mine. 
he has had it for like four years. He started it with someone else. I don't even remember who. Mm-hmm. The name's in the beginning song, and I've never listened to it, so I couldn't tell you who it was. Amazing. He's like gone through a couple hosts. People move. People do other stuff. He, it was supposed to be like him and like Blake Burkhart and Rebecca Gibson. Rebecca Gibson moved out of state. Blake didn't have the time. So he asked me kind of like as a last minute, he's like, will you do this podcast with me? And I was like, I really hate the show The Bachelor, but okay. Why not? Yeah. And now we've watched like three seasons together and I'm like, okay, hosting a, having a, being on a podcast is really fun. Yeah, I like yeah. talking to people. It is fun. I don't like listening to people where I can't put my opinion in. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> like if I yeah. wanted to like talk and not be heard, I'd go have brunch with my girlfriends. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, that's yeah. how I feel. Huh. Well, that's interesting. No, I mean, I, again, super refreshing because so many people are so far up the industry's ass out here. You know, like mm-hmm. it, they eat, breathe, sleep and breathe it. Like I'm kind of guilty of that sometimes myself, like mm-hmm. being like such a nerd for this shit. It's mm-hmm. super. I think it's really healthy to be like a person that's like. I don't really watch a ton of it. Like, I don't listen to a ton of it, you know? Like, And, and so with, with podcasts alone, it's like if I'm working out, if I'm going for a walk, I just always would rather listen to music. Okay. Um, I know there's a lot to learn, and now it's like, now there's so many podcasts. Also, one time a friend recommended one to me, and I was like, okay, I'll give it a chance. And then I listened to it, and it was like three fucking douchebags that just graduated from college, and they were like, all right, we have like women writing in and they're going to ask us questions and we're going to answer. And I was like, I'm never listening to another podcast again. (laughs) I was like, I hope these guys die. Yeah. And I couldn't even tell you what it was called. Huh? So then I was like, all right, I'm never taking recommendations. And now it's like, there's so many that I'm like, I don't even know what I would want to listen to if I could narrow it down. It's also why I haven't watched a lot of TV Uh and I'm just getting the Sopranos. I'm like, it it is. There's too much. I don't know what to pick. (laughs) But yeah. um, when it comes to comedy, my biggest fear is that I'm going to subconsciously steal someone's joke. So uh-huh. I don't like to listen and watch a lot of it. And I know you're, you should have a good understanding and watch the <laughs> professionals. Yeah. But it's just one of those things where I'm like, once in a while, I'll be like, that's really good. Did I come up with that or did I steal it from someone else? Yeah, I, that is... Very, a lot of comedians are like that, where they just don't watch specials because they don't want to be influenced. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I'm kind of that way in that I won't watch like a special of someone I've never heard of. Like, mm-hmm. oh, let's g- let's give this new person. A- like, I will watch a special of like a comedian I've been a fan of forever, mm-hmm. and like watch it because it's like, oh, th- it's like a new album came out of one of my favorite bands, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, but I feel like, and when you start stand up. At least this is how it is for this is how it was for me and a lot of people. When you're first starting, you're almost doing an impression of your favorite comedians in that moment. Yeah. Like when I was first starting, I was doing an impression of like one part John Mulaney, one part Louis C.K., one part Kevin Hart. Like uh-huh. in my uh, early days, like when I was 18. It was I feel like, like that's very common. I've heard a lot of people. Yeah. I've seen it. But you didn't get to, you didn't experience it. No. You, you've always been just Liz. Yeah, I guess I'm just like really cool and unique. I don't yeah, know. I <laughs> I'm something of a girl boss. I don't know. <laughs> Heard of me? <laughs> yeah. That's a, but I mean that's awesome. Like so whenever you started like in the Chicago like comedy world, like mm-hmm. going buzzing around, who were like your people? Who was like your little crew of friends? Uh Tad Walters. Yeah. Blair Pouchot. Okay. Love uh, Blair. Love Blair. Um, eventually Sam Selby and we actually lived together. Yeah, I love Sam as well. 
She's great. Um, who else? I mean, and then there's like people who I would admire, who I like would be on shows with or something. They're or, seniors when we were like freshmen and so Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like I love Matt Castelvi. I, I very little, but yes, I know who that is. Yeah, he, him, and his fiance, they live in like Amsterdam right now, oh. and he just opened for Eliza Schlesinger. Schlesinger, yeah. yeah. And he's, I think he's so fucking funny. Yeah, and he's just like such a nice guy, and like he makes me pee my pants. Amazing. That's how. And so he's someone where I'm like, oh, I look up to him, I respect him. Yeah. I want to be around him and listen to his jokes. Same with like, I fucking love Pat Bolduck. Yeah. <laughs> I He just a nice guy who's, you know, just like humble. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, Pat, like I'll like bring him up at a mic and I'm like, oh, this next guy, I can't wait to watch him because I'm going <laughs> to laugh so hard. Yeah. And then he'll come up and he'll be like, oh, uh, thanks, Liz. And uh, I'm like, hi. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's funny. That's who's like, who would you say? Like, let's just talk Chicago comedy. Who's mm-hmm. like your favorite performer like who who whenever you're like know they're on the show or whatever like who who like it gets you excited to watch anytime i see Kristen to me she's just yeah i mean super funny so funny yeah um same with ali drapos sometimes yeah, it makes me mad because yeah. she's so funny <laughs> she's super funny and i'm just like oh she's My, so good mine's bobby buds i, I love bobby i love bobby i just like God damn, anytime he'd get up there because it was just such a fucking disregard for all of the things you're supposed to say. Yeah, he <laughs> follows no rules. Exactly. And everyone loves him for it. Like yeah. he is it, that was like a really cool thing especially as somebody who spent a lot of time also in the improv world in Chicago uh-huh. where the improv side of things in Chicago was like strict almost mm-hmm. with like certain words and certain like like none of them like slurs or anything like that but just mm-hmm. like your language how you how much space you took up at any given time mm-hmm. i'm not saying it was like hard for a white man or anything like that <laughs> it was quite the opposite but you know it's just like in this like time that we're in with like certain like buzzwords and topics and you're supposed to do this you're supposed to do that you're not supposed to do this you are like mm-hmm. all these like weird rules that are kind of like around comedy i'm not one of these people that's like comedy's dead i think it's the best time ever for comedy mm-hmm. right now personally um but bobby was just such a the opposite of like the chicago improv scene like was his his oh, attitude yeah. and stuff and i always it was just super refreshing to see yeah. i hope he's listening and i hope he knows how much i respect him <laughs> <laughs> i love bobby and i told you this the other day i beat him or he beat me at a foot, a foot race, race. <laughs> yes he lost to bobby Buns and if you don't race. know what i look like i am fit I work out all the time. An athletic young woman. I'm 5'3", 115, just, you know, tight. So is he. Tight little active body. <laughs> He's 5'3", shaped like a thumb. <laughs> and I didn't know that he rode his bike 30 miles a day delivering Uber Eats. So I picked him out. And we were doing races at Jonah Jerkins' house. And I was like, Bobby, I'll race you. And he was like, okay. We both took our shoes off and... I got smoked. And then I tried to cheat to win, and I still lost. And I was like, I'm never going to live this down. That's unbelievable. That's uh, about, I mean, you know, he, you know, he's a surprising guy. He was like a little so, Sonic the Hedgehog. That's adorable. 
That's a. <laughs> do you know? Also, another person that comes to mind is Joe McMahon. Did you? Oh, he's so funny. One of the funniest human beings I've ever seen. Oh my god! Yeah. Yeah, like just I watched him do a set at the crowd one time. Not at all his audience. Like it was like a bunch of like like artsy fartsy kids at the crowd. Yeah, and he just ripped the place to pieces. He was so funny. So fun, always so funny. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's oh my god, he's so good. Yeah. Who else? I feel like there's so many people. Oh, Kelvin Evans. I don't know. Who he's is. annoyingly good. Okay. Just like, oh, just like one of the, it's like oh, you're so funny. Yeah, yeah. That's fun. That's a. Did you did you spend much time at the Shuba's open mic? No, I actually only went to Shuba's one time, mm-hmm. and it was recently. And I didn't even end up going up. I was like, ah, it's been two hours. I didn't get picked. I'm going home. It's <laughs> a big list at that mic. Was Naomi hosting? Yeah, her and Aaron Klinger were. Okay, cool. Uh, yeah, that was team. when I started at that mic. That that was the first mic I went to in Chicago. And it was one of the only ones I would go to consistently. Like, I'd check out other ones. But that mm-hmm. one's just my favorite because it was close to my place and one of the hosts. Did you know Tyler Snodgrass? I know the name. I don't know that I've ever met him. Yeah. See, that's another example of like how big and small the scene is at the same time because yeah. he would he would be like somebody I would consider like of the last 10 years up on like the upper echelon of like known, liked, good Chicago stand-ups. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people, <laughs> sorry, Tyler, but a lot of people are like, who's he? Um, yeah. But he lives in New York now. He moved away. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was one of the hosts, and I grew up in the same town as him. He's oh, about ten years up. older than me, I think. But uh, we were we'd always been around each other a little bit here and there, so I felt safe going to his mic. And Claire Austin Smith also hosted it, and so did Bobby. So oh yes, th- I like Claire. Those three. Claire's great. Yeah, Claire's awesome too. I've only met her like one or two times, I think. Yeah. She and see, that's another person. Like I would consider her like a big wig of the scene. And yeah. But um, yeah, it's uh. That was a great one. That mic was always super fun because it would go so goddamn late. And I watched a Cubs fan like wander in from a game and do like a line in the bathroom and like rush the stage. And he was this white guy and he said the N word and they had to like wrestle the mic out of his hand. Yeah. You know, just some of those classic open mic nights. Yeah. Yeah. I also, uh, the duo, Alex Cuman and Maddie Ryan, they just moved to New York, but they're both oh, yeah. so fucking funny. Okay. Interesting. That's yeah. funny. That's, uh, w- would you say, is Lincoln Lodge like your favorite place in the city? Or do you have, like, what's your favorite, like, venue to perform at? Honestly, I really love Zany's Old Town mm-hmm. just because it's so intimate. Tight. Yeah. yeah intimate. Yeah. Um, but I, I haven't gotten up at Zany's a ton. Yeah. I've gotten up at Laugh Factory way more, mm-hmm. and like I love Laugh Factory, but it—I mean, if it's not full, it's—it feels not full. Yeah, it's cavernous, so big. Yeah. But I mean, but then you have a three hundred person sold out show, and you're like, oh, this is this is the this life, is right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I do love Lincoln Lodge. Yeah, I—I lo- I mean, great. like a packed Lincoln Lodge theater. Oh, there's, yeah, yeah. It's so good in there. Even the small room can sound like 400 people in a studio audience are laughing if you edit your clip well enough. <laughs> Moving right along. Uh- <laughs> I've had... Okay, one time I did a show in the little room and I... I okay, so I was uh, it was Best Night Ever. Mike O'Keefe and Josh O'Neill. Oh, Josh mm-hmm. O'Neill. I love him so much too. Um, their show. And I did a set and Kyle Kinane was there. 
Hell yeah. Voice uh, of Comedy Central for those that don't know. Yeah. Which he's also randomly friends with my uncle, which is such a small world. That's fun. Yeah. And he was there and he was going up, you know, at the end. And I had a great set, but I fucked up my last punchline. Mm. And it's like, you know, the easiest one. I always get a huge thunderous laugh. And it, I like stumbled over it. And I was like, okay. And I left and I go in the green room. Everyone's like, how was it? And I was like, obviously being hard on myself. And I was like, ah, it was fine. And they're like, oh, well, it sounded okay. And I was like, no, the whole set was fine. <laughs> yeah, I, was like, yeah. I was like, it was a good set. It was just the last, I, I ended with a bad taste in my mouth. Mm-hmm. And I left them with that. And because Kyle Kinane was there, I was like, you know, you want to look cool in front of people that you look up to. So. Yeah. Oh, trust me. Yeah, that's. I've been I've had a lot of that stress out here being on lineups with like known people and I'm like Don't oh, fuck up. Oh, oh, oh no, oh no, I'm not just a kid in Chicago anymore. This is real. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I uh, are you excited? Are you pumped at like the new like mountain to climb? Like this new sort of like town and, and scene and friends and like there's so much in front of you right now. I am, yeah. I feel yeah. kinda like with choosing a podcast to listen to i'm like there's so much i don't know where to start right <laughs> <laughs> but no i am i am so excited um i i am I'm, I'm very excited i feel like there's a lot to look forward to and even just looking back at like the last three years of comedy i'm like oh i never thought i'd be doing that i never thought i'd be doing this yeah and seeing how much cool stuff i've done and how far i've come i'm like Oh my gosh, I have so much more to do and say and and jokes to tell and people to make laugh. So yeah. big time. I'm excited to see what's to come. I think you're gonna do great. Oh, and thank I think you. this place is gonna be very good to you. Oh, I yeah. hope so. You know. <laughs> um yeah, I'm excited to uh start doing some stuff. We need to get like a little crew together is what i'm hoping for like you me avery yeah i want to introduce you to my friend bailey i think you and my friend bailey uh would vibe i think all four of us would vibe very well Ooh, like, i love a good like vibe a, i'd love yeah all the friends i can get so right. <laughs> same <laughs> honestly yeah yeah man it's uh i don't know yeah it, and it's exciting you know all this post post pandemic comedy world and stuff things are opening up opportunities and stuff like that yeah uh what is like what's like do you have like a goal right now like a short-term goal or anything like that um not really yeah right now I'm, i'm still like let me get my feet on the ground and like get my it sounds so silly again but like get my dog to where she can like be home without me right now right. and and then I'll I'll get my goals in order and yeah you've got yeah. life stuff to figure out yeah which is kind of like at the beginning we were talking about how like it makes sense that you're like I'm not doing enough because there's <laughs> stuff to do and when I moved here I was like there's nothing to do I might as well settle in yeah you know? yeah it's very different very weird world mm-hmm. that we're in yeah yeah, it's fucking bizarre, but we're doing it, aren't we? Yeah. Yeah, very exciting. Have you uh, thought about, like, are you doing Laugh Factory here? Like, have you reached out to anybody from, like, the Chicago one about... Because they're all buddies with each other, aren't they? Yeah, I believe so. I haven't... I've had a lot of people be like, hey, when you move, let me know. I have a whole list of people for you. Or like, oh, I uh-huh. have a contact that you should get in touch with. Or like... And I'm... I'm 
which I'm so grateful for people who are trying to help me out. Yeah. Or like, oh, I lived there for 10 years. Let me know when you move and I'll connect you. Yeah. But now I'm like, fuck, who told me that? And like, <laughs> who do I need to reach out to? And like, okay, now I have this woman's number. What should I do with it? Kind of thing. Right. Um. So that's another thing where I'm, <laughs> Just a whole like, okay. can of worms. Now, yeah. yeah, now what do I do with these numbers? I have a list. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're like, hey, thanks for giving me this this person's Instagram to follow. Mm-hmm. Should I just DM them and ask me to Hi. ask them if I can be famous now? Yeah, How does yeah. this work? Yeah, you just DM Jerry <laughs> Seinfeld and say, I'd like one, please. <laughs> Hi, new to LA. <laughs> yeah. Oh, here's my, here's a big question for you. Are women funny? <laughs> I'm no, so women aren't. We know this. No. It's no. only if they have big boobs, you can look at them on stage. Otherwise, get them out of here. That's right. Uh, would you say, like, <laughs> I was kidding, obviously. <laughs> but there is something to be said about um, being, like, late teens, early 20s, starting comedy, mm-hmm. and still, like, finding your place in the world as a whole not just like not just like women and men thing just like as a human being like yeah your insecurities you're immature about certain things but very mature about others like things like that do you think you kind of dodged that bullet of like you know i started this that like you you're obviously still growing we all are but like you kind of got into the game a fuller more flushed out person than a lot of people when they're starting do you Mm -hmm. think that there's something to that i think so at the same time, I also think when you bring in the element of stand-up, mm-hmm. there was a big part of it that I wanted to make self-deprecating jokes. And it's like, no one feels bad for you, cute girl. Oh, interesting. So that, yeah. and it's, and a lot of that is, I mean, I, I've found a way around it to word things differently where I can still be like, you know, instead of being like, eh, I'm so ugly. No one wants to date me to be like, I'm the last single girl out of my group of friends. And all I go to is fucking bachelorette, par- you know, bachelorette parties. Yeah. And now I go around with a bachelorette party favor fanny pack that says we said <laughs> Vegas because I'm too broke to buy a purse. Like, yeah. <laughs> which is just something of my everyday life. You're like a woman in Florida. <laughs> Like you live in Clearwater. <laughs> the most embarrassing place I wore it to is um, I went to a Black Lives Matters march. <laughs> you wore a bachelorette party favorite to a BLM march. Which I know is a privilege as a white woman to be like, I'll just wear this. But it was like, it's just my everyday fanny pack that i carry things in and it's like okay i don't want to carry a backpack on me you load it up with a bottle of milk for the tear gas (laughs) (laughs) no but it was (laughs) and i I turned it i walked and i met my friend and then we walked there and he was like we said vegas and i was like (sighs) i'll turn it around so i just wore an inside out fanny pack of course but I was like, I got to find another solution. This is so embarrassing. It's like wearing an I'm with stupid t-shirt really, to a BLM. It really is. I was like, this is this is a, a low point. The, yeah. You should be embarrassed about this, Liz. But you know yeah. what? I actually, I was working for a family as like a postpartum doula slash nanny right before I left. And they're wonderful. They're like yeah. my favorite people in the whole world. And the mom got me some very generous, sweet gifts, very sentimental gifts when I left and stopped working for them. 
and one of them was like a trendy fanny pack like from Nordstrom Very and sweet. she was like yeah. stop wearing the Vegas one and I was like okay <laughs> it's noticeable honey <laughs> They're like very like rich and she's so like trendy and cool. And she mm. was like, oh, we said Vegas. Cute. And I was like, it's it's just convenient to wear. It holds my things. I'm sorry. Okay. God, that's awesome. And then as like, yeah, as my parting gift, she got me like a real fanny pack. And I was like, am I growing up? <laughs> I'm a big girl now. Yeah. That's beautiful. Well, we did it. Do you feel good? I feel great. Is there more? Is there more about yourself that you'd like to reveal to the entire world? Thousands listen to this. Hmm. Hundreds of thousands. Well, I will just touch on, well, I guess I already talked about it. The, yeah, figuring out a way, being a whole person going into comedy mm-hmm. or a wholer person than like a 22-year-old. Yeah. Being a 27-year-old was still like, oh, I don't know what I'm doing. But being aware of, I mean, this is in all comedy being aware of who you are and what you're bringing to the table in how you're going to be perceived by others is so important. And that was something that I was like, oh, poor me. Yeah. There was, no one felt bad for me. No. So that was something that I had to learn. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and still, I'm like figuring it out. Yeah, and I mean, there's just, a, I, I I joked about our women funny, but there's a lot of baggage that just, like, comes with being a woman, you know, especially, yeah. like, in your early 20s, late teens, and then, like, compared to oh. your late 20s, mid-20s, like, every phase, like, there's so much extra baggage because of, you know, about the societal pressures, all this shit. It's our um, fat labias weighing us down. Right, the those baggage. thick-ass pussies. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, and, and then it's like, Oh, all she talks about is her vagina. Oh, all, all, she only talks about this. Mm-hmm. And it, it, it's like, you talk about getting your dick sucked. I can talk about whatever the I, fuck I, I want. I can't tell you how many times I've heard a jerk-off joke. Yeah. I've probably heard more jerk-off, my dick, something, my dick, my dick, my dick, my wife, my dick jokes yeah. than anything else in my entire life. That's, uh, my God. I'm Well, it's also, I used to think about this with because when I ran my college improv team, brag. Brag. <laughs> I was always like, you know, I, I wasn't that person that was like p- putting my little like white savior pin on and like going around being like, I just want to find the most diverse lineup I can. Like that wasn't <laughs> like my goal. But we ended up picking one because it was like, who's funny? You're the funniest. You're the funniest. You're the funniest. You're the funniest. We don't really care what you look like. Come on in. Mm-hmm. Like that was sort of our mentality. Um, but when it came time to like, you know, getting like like females on the team. Mm-hmm. It, there's so much that like I would watch them grow from like somebody who was interested in improv to a fucking brilliant, hilarious performer. Mm-hmm. And it was always inside of her. But the thing that somebody told me this one time, the reason it's like there's more of a barrier to entry for like a woman to be funny or like silly or loud or like, you know, like Roseanne, you know, like like that sort of thing. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like a Roseanne, you know, uh, <laughs> pick one, you know, Joan Rivers, you know, there's two of them. Uh, but just like that is because it's like, well, when little boy, when like when we're kids, little boys are celebrated for playing in the dirt and throwing worms at each other mm-hmm. and, and picking our noses and running around naked. And little girls are praised for having tea parties and yeah. putting the toy baby to bed and reading and 100%. stuff like that. So yeah. it's like all in there. You know? Yeah. And I mean, I've I've always loved being naked. 
and I was always like the naked kid, you know, grew, like mooning my friends was like mm-hmm. my favorite. I, th- I thought it was like the funniest thing in the world. <laughs> You're young Chris Farley. <laughs> <laughs> and I would, you know, sleep naked, run around naked, whatever. And I, I was dating a guy who tried to break up with me and he was like well you're just always like in all these stories you're like always the first one naked and doesn't look good to be like the girl who's always naked and I was like you know how many guys would kill to date the girl that's always naked fucking kiss my ass yeah literally that's insane I don't know you're just too uh, I don't know comfortable with your body it's it's upsetting (laughs) to me yeah Mm. it's uh, yeah totally you're right with like the growing up and like boys you know get laughed at when they're being silly and yeah. goofy and making fart noises and girls it's like uh, that's not ladylike yeah we got to be little pirates and you guys had to be little pta presidents already you know yeah. like it, in some circles i don't know how your circle was it sounds like <laughs> you had a pretty fun family we Masks. did yeah <laughs> but i also feel like i also i would be intimidated by like boys that I like. I mean, because of that, then if I liked a boy, I wouldn't want to like talk about farts in front of him because I'd be like, oh my gosh, I don't fart. I'm a woman. I'm a lady. Yeah, yeah. You know, and then it got <laughs> to the point where, you know, you get to a certain level of comfortability where it's like, do you want to hear the story about my colonic? And then I pooped my pants. <laughs> Everyone poops their pants. <laughs> right, yeah. <laughs> But we have to normalize, like everybody does. So everybody let's poops. talk about it. Yeah. 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 That's, and yeah, I mean, it's, it, and again, it goes back to, um, you became a real person that like lived a life worth talking about. You know what I mean? Whether, mm-hmm. whether you in your own head are like, cause you know that the post-college to stand up years are like, kind of like you say, like, ah, we're just a lot of like wandering and resentment, all this stuff mm-hmm. is like all of that shaped you into a very fucking comedian, like mm-hmm. pretty quickly. Like you've gotten very good, very fast. And I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that you actually went out and lived some life that wasn't just yes. slogging away at open mics for yeah. the, the better part of your twenties. Like I did. And, and, you know, there's merit to both sides, I guess. Mm-hmm. But I don't know if there's just a maturity level that comes to it. Because I was per- I was immature at first. We all were because I was literally a kid. Yeah. But like, I just, I don't know. I saw the other day. There's, God, and there's just like insecurities that you see people going through. And you're like, I hear you. I get it. I agree with some of it. But also a lot of this is just you haven't done it long enough. You haven't put enough time. Like I literally this week saw this uh, female person that I am friends with tangentially. We don't hang Mm -hmm. uh, from, you know, that, that does comedy posted something, you know, she's in her early twenties posted something to the effect of like, book me on your show. I'm funnier than any man you could book. And I'm like, Mm -hmm. I see what you're doing. And I know that that's mostly a joke, but it's also like, you're young and we're all young and we're all (laughs) fucking stupid. Why are we making it this? Like, could you imagine? I've never once seen a guy like say like, book me on this show. I'm funnier than any dumb broad. (laughs) But also, I, I don't know what it's like to have to sit there and listen to 90 guys in a row talk about, you know, come is interesting when I do it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know. I mean, I got to the point where I 
I get aggravated if I'm like the only girl at a mic and I'm like, you're not going to let me go up earlier, which is yeah. such a fucking spoiled brat thing to say. But it's also like, it, and this is only in Chicago. This is like, right. this is like, I went to a mic like two weeks ago and I'm friends with both the hosts. And I was like, Ugh. give me a good fucking spot here. Can I, can I, someone was like, oh, I have to step out. And I was like, I'll take his spot. I was like, you can switch him with me. And they're like, oh yeah, sure. And I was like, thank you. And they put me up and they're like, you don't have to stick around, Liz. I was like, no, I'll, I'll do the polite thing. I'll yeah. stick around for one more and then I'm fucking out of here. Yep. But, it, because it is, it's like, I and I hate to be like, I'm a girl. I should get a bump. But it is like, you have to split up all this fucking jerk off talk. Correct. A little bit. I completely agree. It's exhausting. <laughs> and also like, yeah, it's a nice gesture whenever you, because, you know, it is such a, such a like I, f- I feel like at more and more every day the old school kind of boys club that used to be like a lot of mainstream comedy is seemingly going away more and more but like it's a nice fucking gesture mm-hmm. if you've got one fucking girl on the lineup and it's all dumb boys like what do you want to go fifth that's that sweet spot that's that yeah <laughs> fifth or sixth on the mic list of like 30 Come yeah <sighs> comedy am i right comedy well, I think we've just about done it. Um, so I have one final question. Yes. And this is how I end every single episode, which you already knew that. I'm your I big fan of the episodes. podcast. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, the, <laughs> the question is, no, I get it. Uh, the question is, if you could go back in time to a version of Liz when she was at her most lost, her most directionless, her, you know, wandering around, I always say it's like you're climbing up the mountain and your map has just been blown out of your hands by the wind. You're mm-hmm. completely fucking directionless. Mm-hmm. You don't have to specify when this time was. Mm-hmm. But if you could just rip open a wormhole in space and time, poke your head out, and yell one concise piece of advice to that version of Liz to keep her, you know, keep her trucking along, uh-huh. what would you say? Oh my God, this is such an intense question. It might make me cry. I know, right? I would probably say... Um, like something along the lines of like stop caring what other people think no one's paying attention to what you're doing in like the best way that like everyone's worried about themselves mm-hmm. Don't, stop worrying what other people think and everything you need is already inside of you fucking hey yeah there you did it god damn it now i want you to cry um <laughs> Let's see. Mm, what can I really poke at? Time. All right, that's fine. Uh, Liz, thank you for doing thank it. Thank you so much for having me. Yes, where can the kids find you on social media? Where do you want to be found? Um, on Instagram, my handle is lizzag one l i z z a g, and then the number one. And on Twitter, and my handle is jizzamboni. And there you go. Follow Liz everywhere. Folks, thanks again for listening this week. Goodbye.